When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Good morning, Wrestling Inc. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, joined here by Justin Labar, as I am every Thursday at noon Eastern here on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are going to be recording the new segment here for the uh, Winkly, which, of course, goes out every Thursday via the Wrestling Inc. audio channel. Uh, Be sure to check us out here and then go over to iTunes, where you can find not just the discussion we had here on the show, but you also get uh, a lot of interviews as well. This week, uh, we have we have quite a murderer's row of interviews here this week. Uh, we have got Johnny Impact, Impact Wrestling World Champion. We've got WWE Superstar Matt Hardy. We've got Justin Credible and the director of his Credible documentary, David Gear. We've got former WCW Superstar Glacier and Ring of Honor's Flip Gordon. You're also going to get the views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition with me and Jesse Collins. Breaking down the five most interesting people in pro wrestling going into 2019. So all of that available over on the Wrestling Inc. audio version of the Winkly. But here we are. You can watch us here live in living color every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk the news. And with that, I'm going to bring over to the show one of the most interesting people in professional wrestling who unfortunately did not make Jesse's list, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkly. Damn that, Jesse. Jesse, you know, he put his, he's like, hey, here's the five most interesting people in pro wrestling. Mm, Daniel Bryan, sure. Becky Lynch, yeah, great. You're not on the list. You didn't make the list. Was that at least like honorable mention? Like, you know, like, like, like sixth or seventh? No, there was no Justin Labar on the list. Sorry, Justin. You didn't get it. Um, Let's get to the news here, Justin. This is what we are uh, here tasked to talk with here every Thursday at noon Eastern. Um, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter just dropped this morning. Uh, There was some more about the historically low-rated Raw from this past Monday night, uh, as we had been reporting or reported yesterday on the Wink podcast, Finn Balor. uh, They're saying out with injury. It does sound like he's out with an illness, left the South American WWE Tour last week to go home and recover from that. Uh, Also sounds like Alexa Bliss has a bad cold. She had a weak voice on Monday night, so she did not do the bulk of her talking in her segment that was handed over to Nia Jax and Bobby Roode. Also not feeling well. He was having trouble speaking during his promo. Uh, bad time for everybody to be getting sick here on uh, the eve of WWE TLC, Justin. Yeah, you know, we saw something like this back in October of 2017. I was one of the first to report it then uh, when there was a, you know, some kind of a sickness or virus going through uh, the locker room. Uh, I, I, and I was headed to Minneapolis where WWE was headed as well for, for TLC, uh, thanks to my great friends at Ticket King based out of there. And that was the famous week where Kurt Angle joined the Shield <laughs> for that, you know, because they had to do a lot of uh, shuffling around uh, uh, of that TLC car, is also where Oscar made her debut, et cetera. And so, you know, it happens. This kind of, you know, when, this, when the this traveling circus of guys and girls, when they're traveling and they're so close together and they're obviously in the ring together, they're, you know, physical contact. And, and then you're traveling from a very cold United States, you're traveling to South America, you know, climate changes. It's just going to happen. You know, when one gets sick, it's just, you know, this, this is this is a common thing to happen. So, um, you know that time of year. Hopefully, it's nothing, nothing more than just you know get a get a few days of R and R and get back on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, very unfortunate to hear, especially with Alexa Bliss not feeling well. Of course, uh, she is, according to the Observer here as well, uh, still not medically cleared to return to the ring. She's been training down at the Performance Center, which has raised a couple eyes. Uh, but I guess there's like a special ring that uh, people like her who are coming back from concussions can practice in that's more or less just like a crash pad with a, a canvas over it. Did you know that these rings existed? This was news to me. Yeah, I, I've been to the Performance Center before, um, and they do. Uh, I've seen the crash ring. It's where they can literally, it's literally like just like a giant foam pit with, with the ropes and everything there. I, I think what they might be talking about, I think, is a little bit different than what I saw there, which is they do put enough over it so you can move around and walk, but still uh, really be relieved of injury in terms of, uh, you know, as you know, the normal uh, unforgiving you know, ring that, you know, unforgivingness that is when you bump into a ring. So it, it does kind of feel like Alexa's not in like an immediate return scenario right now. I mean, I don't, I don't, just from what I'm gathering here, I mean, in the position they put her in as an authority figure, that's, you know, that seems like a longer term position. I don't, I don't foresee her getting back into the mix like in the immediate future. Yeah. I don't know what the timeline is, but I definitely like you. I definitely, it raises a little bit of an eyebrow of like the timetable with this. It doesn't seem like uh, it's, it's been a quick fix. It also might be, you know, again, just precaution and, hey, you know, it's it's better to have her out right now and, and then be able to use her, uh, obviously, road to mania, you know, coming around the corner. So it's hard to say what it is, um, you know, if, 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 if they've discovered something that's more um, critical than yeah. first led to believe. It's hard, it's hard to say because, like, again, it's, it's that time of year right now where I could, I could simply buy into, hey, we can afford to, like, give her some extra time to make sure that she's truly 100% ready to go uh, because we only want her from January to April. Yeah. And it's a, it's unfortunate that she's out right now because the women's roster has never been hotter right now. And I can only imagine sometimes what an Alexa bliss would be doing right now, uh, you know, in the mix with a Becky, with a Charlotte, with an Oscar, with a Ronda Rousey, with a Nia Jax. I mean, it, it just seems like this is a really unfortunate time for her to not be in the mix because all the women right now really complimenting each other. And, uh, It'll be interesting to see how she fits back into that mold. It, it, the landscape will have just changed a whole lot since she has gone out with injury when she gets back, I guess. Yes, but at the same point, you, you can make the case based upon everything you just said. You know, Rhonda, Becky, Nia, Charlotte, all, all, of these, all these women who are doing who, who, are, who are rising at the top right now, you can make the case that that's that much more reason why you don't need to rush Alexa Bliss, that the women's division, uh, it's not it's not like, you know, it all centered around Alexa. You know, we have these other, other interesting stories going on. So you can make the case that that's all the more reason not to rush her back. Um, again, let her let her get healthy. So that way she is ready time for Rumble and Mania and all the festivities in between. Yeah, uh, well, and on the note about Becky Lynch here, uh, she was on Ariel Helwani's show uh, this past week. And uh, she noted that after she got punched in the face by Nia Jax on Raw and her face got all bloodied and things like that, she completely blacked out and just kind of went on autopilot after that. Um, this, I mean, it, it's, it's badass what she did. Um, it is kind of weird to me how much they talk about it in NXT, trying to protect the guys and not let them go on anymore and pulling them. Uh, because, you know, Hunter works through those injuries at, at Crown Jewel. Here you see Becky's being applauded for working through that injury and things like that. I mean, it, it was a badass moment and everything, but, I mean, do you think it sends any kind of message to the roster that, like, hey, uh, you know, it's still the right thing to do to push through, even if you have something where maybe we should stop and take a look at you? Well, there is some contradiction. You know, the, the, the wrestler's code, you know, as you know from working on, on shows in a managerial standpoint, you know, the, obviously the wrestler's code is, you know, you – you tough it up and you finish the match. Nobody wants their match to be stopped. 
Uh, you know, you want to finish it. Uh, there's still that code. At the same point, though, WWE has to publicly make sure they're publicly saying, you know, we will stop matches if it gets, and we have seen them stop matches, to be fair. Um, you know, or, or they, they've, or at least they put a timeout, essentially. We've seen the doctor go in there and, 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 and you know, close a, you know, close an open wound. So it, it, it's a tough line for WWE to walk. You know, the, 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 the wrestling mentality is never going to leave the locker room. If you want to finish, you know, the show's going to go on, you want to finish it. But WWE still has to publicly walk a line and, and talk about, you know, looking out for the safety, uh, uh, the well-being of the performer. So um, I, I'm sure Becky's applauded by everybody. I think they probably, you know, it was it was chaos in that scenario when, when she got punched by Nye. I think had right. they known, I mean, had there been an obvious sign that like, okay, Becky's knocked out or Becky's not right, you know, they probably would have tried to, call an audible i don't know what they could have called an audible and on the final segment of the show we're supposed to end with her but i'm sure they would have took some precaution but you know really none of us really you know all we saw was blood oh my god look at this this is badass you know not until a day later do we really realize holy hell you know how how severe of a shot she took yeah absolutely i don't know i I guess it's like for me when i hear these stories like i was in the cm punk courtroom right when he was you know at trial with dr aman from wwe and listening to Amon talk about how, like, he really tried to get Punk to leave the Rumble. He could realize he was concussed, and then Punk saying, no, I want to stay in this match. You know, there's obviously the whole lawsuit was kind of conflicting stories surrounding that. Uh, it's tough to wrang these, wrangle these guys in if the if the mentality higher up is that you push through. I just, I guess it's, I don't take it very seriously that they're sitting the whole roster down and being like, hey, guys, if there's an issue, it is it is not going to affect your push. It is going to be cool if you let us know to end the match and get the medical treatment that you need. I just, I don't know. For me, that doesn't seem like the company line. It seems no, like I, public, you know. I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and it's and it's great that you use that example with Punk because I was sitting front row at that rumble at Punk's yeah. last match. I was there and I and I watched and I was tweeting and documenting. I watched the, the, the in-between, the go-around between him and the doctor. And then they sent Kane out there and Punk's waving Kane off. You know, like, so you're right. That is a great example. It, it, it is... You know, it, it's hard. It's it, you know, it's hard to believe that you know a wrestler truly feels like okay, I can just say I'm done and, and right, wave the white flag. I got hurt here, and right. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get any you know reper- any any backdoor repercussions of okay, you just screwed up our booking here. You know, yeah, right? I totally get that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it's just an observation I had when I was listening to her talk about this because yeah, she's being applauded. You know, there's great visuals and everything like that. It does send the message. I mean, we're in 2019. We're going into 2019. That the the law of the land still is pushed through if you're injured, finish the match. Um, just a just an interesting observation I thought when I heard her talk about that. Um, we should also maybe touch here on the fact that Raw was again historically the lowest rated program ever in the 1,333 episode history of Raw. It did less than 2.1 million viewers in the third hour. Um, We've had a couple days here. I know that we've both kind of in different forms talked a bit about this, but like, what is your big takeaway? Like when you think about why the ratings are low right now, does it matter? What do you attribute it to? Where's your head out on this one, Justin? I attribute a lot of it to the fact it's a three hour show. I I, I, I say this over and over. I mean, you know, a three hour show every single week. It's just, it's it's just, it's an unnecessary, never, never mind. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously there's the factor of, you know, of, of, of the Jimmy Jacobs tweet uh, of, you know, writing up, three-hour show every week is a lot it is a lot it's just a lot for i mean think about even even like a a national like a football game watch the nfl most football games the broadcast is about three hours okay but there are there's halftime there's plenty of stoppages for you to go away i mean 
you know, WWE, they're, they're trying to show you the match during commercial. I mean, they're trying to, they're expecting the audience to sit for three straight hours every single week. No, three hours is supposed to be for a pay-per-view special. Okay. Three hours is not supposed to be every damn week. It, it's a big reason why SmackDown is that much better because it only has to be, it's, it's two hours. It's a sweet spot. Um, I, I attribute really, I go down to three hours and then it's a trickle down. Okay. It's three hours. All right. Well, it's one thing when it's three hours and you can bring uh, all these big stars in for like the big anniversary shows. Okay. We don't have them every week. All right. Well, who do we have every week? Well, we have this guy named Roman Reigns. We have Braun Strowman. Okay. Well, we can try to fill it there. Now we don't have them. You know, it's, it just becomes a trickle down three hours to fill. You know I mean? Look at the irony. The irony is they send Seth Rollins out there. Who's probably your number one baby or not probably he is your number one baby face on Monday night raw. They send Seth Rollins out there to basically, uh, his script was essentially a whole bunch of tweets that people had angrily wrote. <laughs> That's essentially what his Correct. script was. His yeah. script, his script. He, he's speaking through the anger, angry fan. They're pinning all of the blame on the authority figure in Baron Corbin, and then they give you Seth Rollins in the main event, and it still can't do the number. I mean, it, it's just. It's, I think it's. We're at a point now. You just can't expect people with. I, I don't. I think three hours. It's just that's that's the problem. That that that's, that's the start of the problem. I, I, I've heard that argument a lot. It's three hours. It's hard to write three hours of TV. I just don't, I mean, I just don't buy it, right? SmackDown's great. SmackDown's two hours. You can't tell me that uh, uh, you don't, you can't fill another that's big, hour. That's, that's a big, no, that's a week to week, Nick. Uh, look at this way. Go through Monday Night Raw, maybe not even just this past Monday, but go through Monday Night Raw week to week to week, and you figure, okay, uh, Monday Night Raw is, is five segments an hour, right? So fifth, basically, what, 15 seconds, basically, okay. you know, it's a bad take the, take take take, okay. take take the best stuff from Monday Night Raw and say okay what can we do that can boil it into two hours and you'll find a solid two hours. It's always it's always there's always a lingering third hour. There's always Smack, five segments yeah. that are just SmackDown has variety. SmackDown has more than one feud with stakes. Right, there are multiple things going on, so you could compartmentalize these interesting stories and paste them out throughout the show. Raw is all. Uh, authority figure grasping to keep power, losing control. It affects everything. It bleeds into every aspect of the show. That's not, it's hard from to write. A, it. Yes. Yes. From a writing aspect, SmackDown seems like it is not micromanaged. SmackDown right. seems like it is. I will give you that. Yeah. SmackDown does. Seem, but, but I do think also the time frame comes into the factor. I agree with you. SmackDown, that seems to be better handled backstage creatively. Um, but that's the well, thing. Like, it's not that it's, it's not, Oh, it's hard to write a three hour show. I agree. But you got, 50 people back there it's the fact that you're making bad creative choices you're making a three-hour bad creative choice by by circling this whole thing around this parable of an authoritarian figure who's losing control and is grasping for power and those around him are trying to pull him down it's it's i mean look you could draw your own parallels about where vince mcmahon's head's at when he's writing that thing but it just doesn't connect with the audience it's taken over the whole show that's why raw is not good SmackDown has many fun things going on. There's not well, many fun things going on Raw. There's one thing that takes over the whole show. Well, Raw, Raw has also set itself up in some ways to to, deal, to have to deal with these issues, and in, in, in the sense of you know every 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 person, everybody that's that SmackDown's built around is there every single week, and you pretty much have them. You know, you're built around AJ, Dan O'Brien, AJ Styles. You know, you have all these guys. You know, Raw they've chosen to, and and believe me, I'm a big supporter of Brock Lesnar and how big of a draw he is. But you've built, you've put the, you've had the title of the better part of the last couple of years on Brock Lesnar. You don't have him week to week, so take that takes your title story out of the out of out of out of the, out of the fold of what you can do creatively. Okay, you, you tend to like to put Stephanie McMahon and Triple H and their big stories, Kurt Angle, all their big stories on Raw. You don't have them every single week as characters. You know, like 
and then again, take out and then now Roman Reigns, unfortunately, you lose him to, to, to leukemia for the, for the time being. Braun Strowman, temporary injury. They, you know, unfortunately, Raw has set themselves up to the people they build around. They, they don't they don't have every week, whether it be by sickness or by contract. Cool. Fine. Find fun things for many people to do and not try to figure out how Baron Corbin's lust for power is affecting their push, which is pretty much the storyline for everything right now on Monday Night Raw. Um, Again, it's like I hear the oh, it's hard to write three hours. I get it. Writing three hours is hard. But at the same time, you're you're putting up walls in front of yourself hurdles by picking bad creative directions here and making not only making bad creative directions, but also picking one bad creative direction and having to affect everything on the show. I mean, I, I, I hear the argument. You got to write three hours. It's rough. Whatever. Vince McMahon apparently writes this three hours, 45 minutes before the show. Right. And that's why it's got this kind of visceral parable type feel to it. That's I don't think resonates with the wrestling audience right now. Well, and another thing too, you know, there, there are a lot of people involved in the creative staff. And obviously I understand the need to have a lot of bodies because you do have a lot of segments and minutes to fill between all the shows and not just Raw and SmackDown, but then the stuff they put out just for, you know, just for digital, you know, there's a lot of content and that sometimes can hurt you. In fact, you know, more cooks in the kitchen, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes of, of, of it's hard to get one singular idea to start from start to finish without it going off on all these detours because it starts, it starts at this side of the room. And by the time it gets to this side of the room, it's not even recognizable what the idea is. Here's what I'm going to be interested in is because I think Baron Corbin is going to win on Sunday. Cause I mean, he lost the TLC Matt. We had this talk yesterday and I think that, you know, they're not going to have him lose back-to-back TLC matches, lost on Monday Night Raw. I don't think he's going to lose on Sunday. So does that hook people? If Baron Corbin wins, are they going to be like, oh, man, I got to see where this guy takes it to? And if he does lose and this void opens up for a new general manager spot, does that hook people? Is there a hook either way coming out of this bout with Braun Strowman on, on Sunday? Well, I mean, if Baron, if Baron Corbin wins, which I don't, I'm not predicting him to, I'm, I'm, I'm different from you here. If Baron Corbin does win, he's the permanent Raw GM. I, I do think there's going to be a rolling of the eyes uh, uh, by a lot of people. Um, if he loses, obviously, yeah, there is a, there is a, some excitement and hope because then it becomes, okay, where do they move forward? You assume they'll probably fill the, you know, even though I think I like to do away with GMs, but they, they, they seem committed to having authority figures. You know, it makes you go, okay, who is the next GM? Is it Hulk Hogan? Uh, or is it is it is is is, 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 it, is it is it Matt Hardy? Like you know, it, it does make you think. You know, whenever there's obviously a vacancy, that is a hook to see who they bring in next. But I I I think that I feel, and you know, again, sometimes I just try to put myself in Vince's brain, which is you know maybe not a healthy thing for anyone to do. But this um, Vince sweats. <laughs> I did eat a lot of steak last night. Um, there was you know I put myself in Vince's. Vince's brain and they think oh how would Vince usually think about this everybody's telling him oh Baron's not working he's gotta lose right Vince is like no we're gonna double down right he's gonna have more power right and people are gonna hate him even more and you're gonna have to find that baby face whether it's Balor whether it's Elias whether it's Apollo Crews that's gonna be the one to challenge that character and take him down at a bigger show a la Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. I don't see this guy, I don't see them backpedaling on on his uh, accruing of power at TLC. It just doesn't seem like the time that they would pull back on it. But I don't see them having, if Braun Strowman, in fact, is going to perform, which you think if he's not, they would have changed this by now. Do you see Braun Strowman coming back after being off TV? You know, Braun Strowman's last scene being decimated by Baron Corbin and, and, and others. You, you see the first time Braun Strowman comes back, he loses. I mean, you know, I, I, I look at this as just a straight squash match. I think, I think Braun's going to come out. I think he's just going to demolish 
I mean, this this is one of two TLC matches. It's the TLC match that really doesn't matter in the, in the scheme of there's no title or any, title or anything. There's obviously the stipulation of GM, but I could see this being, you know, uh, you know, Ticket Drew and I talked about this on my podcast. We could see this being the opening match uh, of TLC just to get it out of the way. Braun comes out, bulldozes over Baron Corbin. But here's the thing: is like Braun Braun would lose, right? But he's not getting pinned. He's not submitting. You, you walk up a ladder, you grab the contract. That's how you win. You know, whatever. Baron Corbin locks him in this dressing room, right? And then he grabs a contract, and then Braun uh, comes out and lays him out, right? But already he's already got the, the GM power, whatever. You know, it, it, there's like a million ways you could rationalize this man didn't get to the ring in time to stop this other man from climbing a ladder and grabbing a piece of paper. You know? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's a very plausible scenario. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. You know, Bar- Baron Corbin backs a forklift up, up against Braun Strowman's <laughs> Drayson Rivers dressing room, and then Braun breaks through, but you know, comes in too late. No, it's but, very plausible. But, is that, but that's the thing. It's like, is that the bigger hook? If Baron accruing more power, you got this ass kicker monster, then now it's even more pissed off. Baron's got more power. Does that raise the stakes and, and generate more interest? I, in my In my head, when I think like Vince, I say, yeah, it does. Because this monster, he's still on the chase, right? He's got a, he's got somebody in his sights. He's not really a political figure, so I don't really know how that plays into the parable. But you know, I, I think the stakes get raised. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, again, I, I think authority figures have been overdone. Personally, with authority figure, I think it's hard to. You know, I love Stephanie as authority figure because it makes sense because she's a McMahon, so she is one of the ones in charge of the company. So it's it's. It's reasonable for me to think about. I've never really been a fan of the we're going to bestow power upon random, random wrestler. Because my thoughts always been if, if I'm random wrestler who's in charge of the GM, I could just strip somebody of the title and make myself champion. Okay, it was, and we'll move on here in a second. But it was bizarre on Monday night that Seth Rollins called out like we have low ratings. You are responsible for that. I can't imagine a time ever where they've called something out like that on TV that almost seemed like an admittance of failure in a way. Well, I, I think WCW did it back in the day. They their, did. That's, know, not a, uh, that's not good, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know, I was actually I was happy they had not acknowledged it because, you know, you know, it, it, use, use what people are talking about and try to, I mean, sure, I, I'm sure people would rather Seth Rollins, you know, break the fourth wall and say, Vince McMahon, you need to change your booking. He's not going to do that. It makes sense to it makes sense to direct the, the the blame to the authority figure that you're that they are investing in the character Baron Corbin. I like the fact they acknowledged it. I like the fact they acknowledged it better than um, had they just you know had Michael Cole and them come on the air. We got another great episode of the longest running episode of television. You know, just just been all cheery eyed, you know, cheerio. I, I'm glad that Seth Rollins came out and acknowledged it. It was a little bizarre that he decided that the babyface Seth Rollins decided to. Um, praise the revival and knock lucha house rules another baby face i mean that that was a little bit odd to, to see it's also odd to think that the same people who wrote the script for seth rollins are the people who are responsible for the bad scripts of the low ratings well it was weird because like oh. it was weird because you know the other week uh raj was making the point well they're trying to get lucha house party over by saying oh they're so progressive and i was like dude do you believe that like they're making fun of these guys. They're making fun of people who are like, "Oh, we got to change the wrestling game. We need more flippy floppy stuff." Oh, look how progressive it is. Like they're mocking. I feel like Lucha House Party is in a lot of ways like a slow burn on a particular set of the IWC, and that's why you got that line from Seth Rollins there because they know this isn't working. Like the weird. I mean, it's it's bizarre. It may I my brain hurts now. It hurts. 
to think about, you know? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, let's switch gears here. Off Lucha House Party. Let's talk Bray Wyatt. This past week, he cleared out his Twitter feed, probably because maybe he has things in his past that he did not want to come back up. Who knows? No, he's, he's returning uh, to form here. He has tweeted out, today I am someone different. Today I have finally become who I really am. He did make a surprise appearance at Starcade a couple weeks ago, but we have yet to see him come back on TV. Um, do you know anything about what's going on with Bray? When do you think we would uh, expect to see him back on TV, and what kind of a Bray Wyatt do you think we're going to get this time around? I don't know. I don't know when he's coming back. Uh, the, you know, the uh, a little part of me is excited because you get. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm hoping that there's something that's going to really hook me. But at the same point. I feel like I feel like I've I feel like I've read that tweet from Bray Wyatt a million times. I feel you know you know what Bray Wyatt's riddles and tweets. You know what they're starting to be like to me. I don't know if you have. If you ever, if anybody has those friends on social media, those people they follow or friends on Facebook, and it's those people that they always have a big announcement. It's always stay tuned and the journey's just begun and more to come. And they they they, they always they always hype that they always have big news and that, that they have something coming around the corner. And, and then I feel like I never hear about any big news or something. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's always those people online that always have, you know, stay tuned, coming up soon, big announcement. And it's like, that's what I feel like Bray Wyatt's riddles and rhymes are, is that he's a new man. I have been reborn. I have found the inside of my head. And I, you know, it's like, there's always this random, you know, random sayings that mean nothing. I, so that, that's kind of where I'm at with Bray Wyatt, unfortunately. And it, which is a shame because on paper, there's so much potential for what his character is physically he's very athletic for a size he's very good he's got good facial expression so it's like all the tools are there it's just it's just they can never put they, all the pieces are there that can never just make the puzzle make a complete picture i really like the like the way you framed bray wyatt i kind of want him to come back as like a bad independent wrestling promoter where he's like 2019 guys i promise we're gonna we got big plans we're gonna change the game a lot of a lot of stews in the a lot of chickens in the pot guys you know, that's you know what, what i mean he, yeah that's no, like yeah you know i, I yeah. I have so I have people on social media. That I see that all the time. It's always like, "Stay tuned, for more to come, big news coming." It's like, I never feel like I get it delivered. Well, and I, to wit, I think there's a better way to do this then, because I think that similarly, guys like Matt Hardy have done things like this, but they add a, a video element or like a, a photogenic element, right, where you can kind of follow along. Oh, an evolution of, of a jacket. You're looking at something or a video. You're, you're watching him start to transform into something. You see the process play out and it builds to something. If it's just a tweet with some words, I'm with you. It just kind of comes across like, you know, indie promoters 101. But, uh, you know, I think other guys have taken this tact, applied, you know, more texture to it. And, you know, it can become a fun thing. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I feel like and I feel like we've read it the main times from Bray Wyatt. So I, I want to be I want to be proven wrong that this is the time that this truly is going to be the start of the of the, the best Bray Wyatt we've seen. I want to believe that. I'm hoping we believe I'm hoping that happens. But um, I feel like there's just been a lot of round of round and round we go really with no no. What's, what's going on with Harper? I know he had a cast on his arm. Are him and Rowan close to coming back? I don't know what the timetable is. I, I know that, that that Harper has been uh, dealing with injury. I, I don't know what the timetable. I think I, I think, best of my knowledge, I think Rowan. I don't I don't think Rowan's dealing with anything. The best of my knowledge, I might be. He wrong. went he went out first with like some kind of I think it was like an ankle injury or something. I'd have to go back and and look at it. But he went and then Harper popped up with the cast, and I think Rowan's good. I think they were both dealing with something though. Yeah. Uh, like the Ro- okay. Yeah. 
I think that's why they haven't. Anyway, the reason I ask, obviously, is like, you know, they're not on TV. Braun's not back yet. Bray's not back yet. I mean, I guess theoretically, there's a chance you could see these guys reunite. And that seems like kind of what everybody wants, except for maybe Braun. Braun's kind of broken out on his own. Uh, yeah, but I, w- I, I wouldn't put Braun back. There. I mean, Braun was put in there simply just to get him on TV. And he was there to learn from, you know, you know again, Braun had like, never had a TV match and he had like very few matches at all in NXT uh, on, on live events. So, you know, his, his version, him being the white family is for him to sit there and learn and travel with those guys. So I would leave him obviously on his own, but yeah, put Harper Rowan and Bray. That's, that's the other weird thing. The, the height of Bray Wyatt was, you know, when, when the Wyatt family first came to raw and people dug the music and they dug the entrance and everything, I mean, everything was clicking. Um, like that was the best of times, and so it makes you wonder, like, you know, if it wasn't broke, you know, why did you try to fix it? Maybe just, I mean, I, I understand probably at, at the time they wanted to say, okay, let's see if we can break these guys out, and, but but they broke them out and they didn't really commit, you know. Yeah, I mean, we saw mm-hmm. they didn't really commit to it. Yeah, and the Bludgeon Brothers thing was that never really nobody ever bought. I don't think anybody ever bought into it. I'd be very happy if they don't come back as the Bludgeon Brothers. Well, even even prior to that, you know, when they did break off and Harper, you know, was IC champ for a minute, and, you know, he had that phenomenal match against Dolph Ziggler that everybody still talks about. It's like, you know, so it's like, okay, you found a guy who can still be the Luke Harper character, but you let him, you let him branch out a little more. You let him, you know, wrestle on his own. I, I, I don't, it, it feels like any, every time they've come across something that's worked with those guys, they've, they've shied away from sticking to it, if that makes sense. No, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I also agree that Luke Harper on his own as Wyatt family, Luke Harper in that IC title picture, remember how he dragged it around, you know? Yeah, it was great. I loved that. Um, So we'll see here. We'll see what happens with Bray in the coming weeks, uh, especially as we go into WrestleMania here. Uh, Let's switch gears a little bit. We'll talk about some contracts, what's going on in the boardrooms of professional wrestling. Uh, PW Insider, reporting that AJ Styles' WWE contract is coming up in April 2019, so right around WrestleMania. Uh, and the clubs, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson's contracts come up in September 2019, so they wouldn't be uh, available to make any moves till later this year. Um, at a live Something to Wrestle With taping this past weekend, Cody took the stage and announced that he has turned down a WWE offer in recent weeks. And uh, lastly here, the Wrestling Observer, uh, I believe this was from today, is no, this might have been a couple days ago. I think this is a, a Wrestling Observer radio. Uh, WWE is interested in New Japan Pro Wrestling's Kushida. Interestingly, Kushida is still under a New Japan contract for about another month. And Dave notes here that it, it's very interesting that WWE would even be talking to another wrestler who is under a contract, since that's kind of a big no-no. And he questions whether or not they would do that with a Ring of Honor or an MLW. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, Justin, putting bullets in the gun, right? Everybody is bracing for whatever is going down January 1st. And I love that we've got AJ Styles in the club's contracts. They're not up the first, but they are up next year. They're back in the mix here as well. Where, where do you, what do you see this all meeting? Where do some of these chips fall? I think AJ Styles, he'll stay. I think they, you know, I think he's had a, a really great WWE run. Um, I think when you take a look at guys who have came in that, that WWE, you know, WWE has obviously gotten much more, open to signing, you know, guys, letting them keep their names. Uh, AJ Styles has probably been the number one success story. You know, when you compare him to Samoa Joe or anybody that they've also had in NXT, you know, Finn, um, you know, AJ has been the most successful, right? Uh, merchandise machine. So they'll, they'll, they'll find a way to make it work with AJ money-wise uh, and dates-wise. Uh, the club, I, I think they're all but gone. I think, I think, I think they're, I think, I think they'll be in Japan. Uh, you know, I know 
I know Gallo's, you know, I know he has a, uh, you know, he has his family, he has a son, you know, here, you know, here in the States, Anderson as well. Um, you know, being her halfway around the world is probably not the most appealing thing to, you know, the families, but I think make the money while you, while you can make it, while your body's allowing you to make it. I think they'll go back to Japan, make the money, be both better. Um, in terms of, if you're in New Japan right now, I, I, unless it is money that you just can't turn away from, from Stanford, Connecticut, I don't see what, because AJ, AJ Styles is almost like, like the exception, right? Uh, and AJ Styles is, if you're in New Japan, I don't see how, what WWE can really say, or like, how do you think that going to WWE is going to be better for your career? I mean, it's just, uh, you know, look at Nakamura, Asuka, look at so many people, and not that, not that they've all been complete failures by, by no stretch, especially Asuka, but it's like, just when you see that the way WWE operates, it's different. I just don't see, if, if you're having success in New Japan, I don't, unless you're a hard up and you just can't turn away from the money, or unless you grew up a big WWE fan and you just have to see yourself taking that picture with Triple H or Vince. Which is kind of what happened with Nakamura, right? Nakamura always loved WWE, and like that was one of his goals was to wrestle in WWE, right? Well, I don't know, actually. You mentioned him. I, I think, I actually, I think I read a transcript of an interview he did not too long ago to where he had said that he had, I think it was him, that he hadn't actually seen WWE until like, it was like a certain year, like 2000. Like he, he didn't see it for a while growing up until like a certain point. I, I think it was him. I might be wrong. And the chat board might be blowing me up right now. Um, but, but nonetheless, I mean, again, no matter what it is, if you're, if you're wrestling in Japan, you obviously know what WWE is at that point, And you know that it's perceived as at least the, it's, it is the number one in North America. And by a lot of people, it's perceived as number one in the world. So I can, I guess I can understand the, you know, you want to get there and see if you can make it there. <clears throat> but God, there's been so many other trial and errors in the last couple of years that just haven't gone glowingly, stunningly well. So I just, I, if New Japan's paying you well and you're in your home country and you're happy and you're being booked well, I, I don't see what the reason to leave at this point. What do you think about, um, well, I mean, where do you think this leaves like the, the concept of an AEW, right? Like a new promotion out there as we look at where Cody and the Bucks are going with this heading into 2019. Cody possibly taking the Ring of Honor world title into free agency tomorrow night at final battle. The Bucks are going for the IWGP uh, tag titles, heavyweight tag titles uh, at Wrestle Kingdom on 1-4. You could conceivably have these guys with New Japan Ring of Honor titles taking them into like their own promotion and creating this new environment. Um, well, I think, yeah, I, I think it's been, I think, well, here, here's, here's what we've learned. We've learned the last couple of years, wrestling companies have learned. They have to work together, um, ex excluding WWE and even WWE with a little bit in the UK stuff. But 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 for the most part, if you're going to do anything to try to compete against WWE anymore, with all the resources they have and the, and the, and the billions of worth and shares, you have to work together. There can be no more of this. We're we're so good. We're not working with anybody. No, Impact has to work with this guy. The ROH has to work with these guys. Everybody has to work together. And I think we also have. We, we've, we've known it for everybody knows this about anything and it just takes a matter of reminding that what that's what 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 is old is new again and i think that in the working together and looking back at the territorial situation of the 80s it's kind of like what wrestling companies now have to redo again which is say okay we're gonna work together we're gonna respect each other's territory but we're gonna work together so yeah this guy can have his roh title but he can show up every here that can then help draw hey i owe you a favor i'll send you talent back over here on this big show you need I think the wrestling, I think, I think the wrestling world of promoters, major promoters, have finally just accepted you gotta work together. You're well, gonna have to that's the only way that this is gonna work. I don't I mean, yes, I, I do definitely think there's a reality of the fact that promoters are having to work together in ways they haven't in the past. 
I do think it is very interesting. Cody saying openly, I've turned down a WWE offer. Uh, Joe Coff saying, I don't see Cody in Ring of Honor in 2019. Uh, he is going to be facing Juice Robinson defending the IWGP US title uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. Could have the title taken him off there. And that leaves Cody completely strings, no strings attached for whatever it is he's got in mind. And uh, I'm going to talk a bit about this later in the show for those of you that are listening to podcast form with Jesse Collins. But I do think there is a core group of guys right now, Neville, Austin Aries, Cody Rhodes, the Bucks, uh, that are available and are interesting talent that <clears throat> if you got them exclusively, you don't really need to play with a lot of other people, I think. I think you can do this in-house with the right budget. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, you know, we've said it. The, the, you know, the, yeah, the bullets are being loaded and, and something, mm-hmm. you know, the, the landscape is looking to change uh, very shortly. All right. Uh, well, we also promised a TLC preview here to wrap it up. We don't have a ton of time. Uh, so real quickly, Justin, uh, let's uh, let's get your expectations for TLC. Any matches here uh, leap off the page at you that you think are going to be show stealers? Well, I think, you know, as we talked about, I think the triple threat with the tag teams, I think those guys will do all they can do. I wish it was a tables, lodges, and chairs match. It's not. But I think those guys will do their 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 business great. I think, you know, Brian and AJ, again, uh, how can you go wrong with them? I don't expect Brian to drop the title. Uh, I think the match that ends the night is the ladies. I think it's Oscar, Charlotte, and Becky. I could I can make a case for any of the three of them winning. Um, but I do think this is going to be the beginning. And I go in great length of this with my wrestling reality podcast available everywhere. Uh, I do think this is going to be the beginning of the pieces falling to align Becky Lynch as the main event at WrestleMania against Ronda Rousey. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I, I'm thinking Oscar takes the title here, creates a situation where Becky and, and Charlotte are, are at each other's throats and trying to get that title back here. I think it just makes for an interesting dynamic. I agree with you. The triple threat ta- uh, tag match is going to be great. I wonder if they're not doing it TLC style, so maybe they can hold off on doing it at like a mania or something, trying to recreate that magic, as you mentioned, Bully Ray. Uh, noted there was a lot of similar chemistry here with these guys as there was to the Dudleys, Hardys, uh, and Edge and Christian. So, uh, yeah, man, and, like, looking at this, it's like, I don't, no knock on, like, well, Natty Ruby, I guess, is like a blood feud over over her dad, so they're having a tables match, and they got the, the Jim Neidhart table. Uh, the cruiserweight match, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, I didn't really even know that was happening until yesterday. The mixed match challenge finals match for the number 30 spot at the Rumble, I'm just, what I'm getting at here is there's a couple bouts where I'm just surprised that Nakamura and Rusev aren't getting a chance to to throw down because there does I don't know this could be an up and down pay per view in my eye in my opinion. All right, so with that, for those of you that are listening audio wise right now, we are going to run off to interview row. Uh, here's the order you're going to get them in. Up right next, you're going to hear from Impact Wrestling World Champion Johnny Impact. Then you're going to hear our friend Aki from India talk to WWE superstar Matt Hardy followed up by an interview I did with Justin Credible and the director of his documentary, David Gear. Uh, then you'll hear our good friend Michael Weissman from WrestleCade interviewing uh, former WCW superstar Glacier, and then rounding out our interviews uh, will be Ring of Honor's Flip Gordon. After that, I'm going to talk to Jesse about the most uh, interesting people going into 2019 in pro wrestling. So here you go, guys. Enjoy that. Thank you very much for tuning in, subscribing, and uh, I'll catch you here back at the end of the show. And I welcome back to the Winkley, the mayor of Slamtown. And uh, again, not just the Impact Wrestling Champion, but former Survivor competitor, now juror of Survivor, <laughs> David versus Goliath, Johnny Impact. Johnny, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. It's, I mean, I, it used to be so much fun when I was like, current cast member on the island. I don't get to do that anymore. 
I know. I know. That damn Buchacho blindside, man. They got me. And it, it still stinks a little bit. Yeah. But um, it's okay. Thinking about maybe a, a wrestling move, maybe the maybe either the blindside or the Buchacho blindside, just to make me feel a little bit better about that whole thing. Well, you guys got uh, – I'll bring this back to Impact here. Uh, this past week, uh, you got to tag with your wife, Taya Valkyrie, for the very first time, it sounded like, from what you said. Uh, how, first of all, how was, was that? A, how was that? Um, amazing. I mean, my wife, Ty, is my favorite human. And um, so we obviously get along and click and have chemistry on that level. But I also really respect her uh, her wrestling ability and psychology. So uh, teaming with her was, uh, is, is always amazing. And that was our, our first time tagging up as husband and wife. Did it feel any different? Was there a certain different magic in the air now that you guys are married tagging together? Um. You know, it, every time it feels a little bit different. Like, uh, and there definitely was a magic in the air that uh, the match against Tessa and Moose, um, we were both really proud of. Good. Well, and that's why I say you guys got blindsided uh, at the end of this bout here. Killer Cross coming in too, and uh, you were you were down and out on the outside. Taya looked like she was about to get beat down again by everybody here, and out comes your homecoming opponent, the Machine Brian Cage, to save your wife. Uh, are you? How do you feel about him being the one to stop her from being hurt in, instead of you? Um, well, I mean, I'm glad that someone got in there and um, and, and stopped her from from getting beat up by Killer Cross. And Killer Cross, like uh, his his motivations were confusing to me too because I wasn't fully aware of this. But when I when I watched the the match back, he stopped Tessa from hitting her with a chair. But then there's just something off about Cross, like. He, I don't know. Like he's got a few uh, screws loose, if you know what I mean. So I don't want him around me. I definitely don't want him around my wife. So when when Brian came out to uh, get him and Moose and Tessa out of there and clear the ring, it. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm glad he did that. And Brian and I are are, are friends, and um, I understand why he did that. He's he's married himself. He's got a daughter, and um, I'm sure like if I had the opportunity to save his wife i'd do the same i mean of course i wish it was me i was just uh on the floor after moose speared me <laughs> um yeah but it, it it just wrestling is, is is complicated you know it's uh it's tough because in interviews both um brian and i have said we're going to do whatever it takes to leave homecoming as impact world champion and um as, as much respect as i have for brian and as, even as much as i consider him a friend I'm uh, planning on putting those emotions aside on January 6th because really that night is going to take everything that I've got to uh, to retain the championship, and that's what I'm planning on doing. It's just so different. You've had a, a couple big title defenses recently, Killer Cross, obviously. Um, before that, Aries, both very personal. Uh, they went to dark places. Different here with Cage because you guys do seem to be friendly with one another. Has it put any strain on the relationship between you guys personally, knowing that there's more money, of course, the world title on the line at homecoming here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, it's a, uh, it's one of the things about sports, about wrestling. There's, there's only one world championship. And, um, that means, uh, we're, uh, we're friends, but at the end of the day, only one of us is, uh, is going to leave with that world championship. And, um, really it's, uh, it's show business. It's not show friends. 
And um, if I have to pick between a friend and a, and a world championship for me and um, for for Taya, for for my family, it's the, it's the world championship. You know, that's what I dreamed of when I was a kid. That's what I've fought so hard to to get. And um, I'm hoping that Brian and I and I can be friends after. But uh, yeah. if if we can't, or the relationship changes changes based on what happens on on January sixth, I mean that's uh, something I'm prepared to deal with. It's it's really interesting hearing you talk about this dynamic here with with your friend and and there's all this on the line because I started my day I went and watched your Ponderosa exit interview. Um, for those of you that, that, that want to go online and, and find, first of all, do you want to explain to everybody what Ponderosa is? Sure. For uh, for wrestling fans, it might not be Survivor fans. Um, Ponderosa is where you go when you get voted off the island in the game of Survivor. Um, so when I was the victim of the Brochacho blindside, um, my Ponderosa video includes uh, following me straight from uh, being voted out to see the doctor, to go to Ponderosa, to look in it, into a mirror for the first time since the beginning of the game, to, uh, to eating food <laughs> for, the, for the first time, um, rewards excluded. And uh, then it kind of, uh, everyone that leaves Survivor ends up in this, kind of raw, vulnerable state. In, in my Ponderosa, I, I talked about being authentically introspective in that moment. And um, a, a lot of, uh, I had a lot of epiphanies and a, and a lot of thoughts about who I was, what I want. And um, I, I talk about all that in this Ponderosa video that you mentioned. Yeah, and, and that's why I say in that moment there, you are very vulnerable. I mean, you're on the verge of crying, thinking about how you want to become a better person. And yet here you are, you've got another guy who's very hungry and is pushing you. Is there a struggle there right now for you to kind of continue that personal evolution you talk about on Survivor while at the same time being a little cutthroat to stay on top of your game in professional wrestling? Ultimately, I mean, I'm a big proponent of, uh, I mean, it's, it's me versus Brian at, at homecoming. But in the business of professional wrestling, usually it's uh boils down to you versus yourself a lot of times and um this preparation for homecoming is johnny impact versus johnny impact because it's me going to the gym every day it's me watching tapes it's me studying brian cage it's me thinking of the strategies it's me prioritizing that over the other things that i could be spending my time on um with uh man with with regard to uh Brian and like the, I mean the, the authentic introspection that I that I had in that Ponderosa video, um, in that video my my guard was down and I was I was raw. They didn't show a lot, but I was I was also talking about um, my family and my parents and some some other things. But um, for homecoming and in wrestling, um, the walls are going to go back up because you break the walls down of your, of yourself to, to learn about yourself and what you want. And, um, when you're competing for a, a world championship, you need to put the walls back up because you have to be able to take a lot of shots. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a great interview. I'll, I'll put it in the post here with the site when we run this, because you, you, you bring up the walls there. You talk about how you've created this character, the, the mayor of slam town, this over the top persona there that's almost larger than life. And in a way, there's like Tiny John inside of Big John, right? And people can't get too close to Tiny John because 
there's like this huge padding around it. I don't know if I, I metaphored that correctly. Uh, yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty good. And I mean, similarly, I describe it a lot of times as um, the mayor slams down is John with the volume turned all the way up, and uh, you know that's a lot of time. Like uh, when you're on stage, when you're in the ring, that's what you do. You turn the volume all the way up. But um, sometimes then after you've spent 16 years in the business of pro wrestling, um, it's easier to keep the volume up because uh, it keeps people away from the real you. And um, that real you is, uh, is vulnerable. You know, that's a, that's a, it's a person with, with hopes and dreams and desires that may or may not come true. And um, sometimes uh, it's easier to uh, protect that thing and not let people in because when you do, it's, uh, it's, it's scary. Um, I want to go back just a little bit here. Uh, we were talking, we're talking here obviously about going in with cage, but you know, it got so personal there with, with Aries. I did want to ask if you had any communication with this guy, obviously looking back on it now, you are getting off the Island. You are still reading through a lot of this stuff that got to be a very personal feud there. Has there been any communication at all with this guy? I don't, I haven't even heard anything from him since he left. No. No, I like um, I don't no no communication. I don't know uh, I don't know what he's up to. Um, honestly, like um, I hope he's doing all right. You know, um, I I think he handled himself very badly at Bound for Glory. Um, I'm really proud of the match we had, and um, he just he, I think he's got some uh some deep seated issues with himself, and um, when when I have issues with myself or with situations, I internalized a lot of it. And, um, he did the opposite. He, he took it out on, uh, on me and people around me, um, my wife, um, people that work for impact and just kind of threw tantrum after tantrum. And, um, I don't respect dealing with issues that way. I think it's just an immature way to look at life. Austin Aries, the performer, the wrestler, um, the, the man I, I do respect because he's, he's talented and he's busted his ass in this business for so long, but um, I, I haven't talked to him. And if I don't know if the time comes, and I'm sure it will because wrestling is a small business, um, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. Uh, well, he was, of course, uh, former X Division champion. I also wanted to switch gears here a little bit and ask you about uh, the return of Ultimate X. Uh, that's also going down at Homecoming. You're, of course, like this parkour legend. Uh, you're you're like Gumby in many ways. I feel like. Do you kind of wish you got to be a part of this big match? What's what's your take on Ultimate X coming back here? Well, like kind of like a like a like a ripped Gumby, ripped. not just not just like a <laughs> like a flat Gumby. But um, I smell so, a pro uh, wrestling T-shirt by the way. I smell a pro wrestling T-shirt. Ooh, ripped Gumby. Ripped Gumby. Just saying. Whoever's listening to this, if you uh, if you got art skills, we need a ripped Gumby T-shirt stat. Um. <laughs> But the Ultimate X match that you mentioned, uh, Jake Crist is a uh, is in the other competitors have yet to be announced. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I've always been fascinated by the Ultimate X match and Impact original um, original concepts. And one of the things that I remember watching and um, trying to figure out how hard it would be to go hand over hand on those ropes. I always wanted to know if I could walk on top of the ropes, if I fall, like the the possibilities with that Ultimate X setup always fascinated me and um of course i wish i could be included in that match but um there's no match that i would rather have 
at homecoming than um, the match against Brian and defending the Impact World Championship. Now, I don't know if you want to say it or not, but I'm sure there's like one thing that you've always like a move or a moment you've always wanted to have an Ultimate X that has not been done yet. Do you want to do you want to let us in on like what's that in your head? What is that OMG moment for Johnny Impact and Ultimate X? No, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to wait for the uh, the time when I actually get to be in the Ultimate X match and, and okay. say yes. There is, like, just like a Elimination Chamber and Rumble. Um, there's a there's some ideas that I've got at a for an Ultimate X match that um, I don't know if are possible or not, mm-hmm. but uh, that I definitely would like to try at some point. Now you bring up those pay per views, right? Rumble, Elimination Chamber, TLC. They're all like unique. Do you think Ultimate X should have its own pay per view like those like those matches? It's an interesting concept. You know, um, I don't know. Like a, it, it's it's such a, a a cool concept, but it's also. Um, I mean, you could argue too that I mean, if Ultimate X had it, it's a, a full pay per view called Ultimate X, would that mean that all the matches are Ultimate X matches? No, it might be. I don't know. It might. Mm. You know what I mean? It might be a little too much. It's it, it's it's hard to say. I think one of the cool things about it is that it's not a it's not every day that you get an Ultimate X match because those those matches take a lot out of the people involved, and um, I think uh, I mean if there's an Ultimate X match every week, the uh, the Impact roster might thin out a little bit because people start dropping, getting hurt. Yeah, it was actually, you know, I was, I was thinking back on, like, all the crazy matches you've had, um, different, I guess, gimmick matches, I guess you want to call them or not, and then I it, it just jumped to me. Uh, the the latter seesaw spot with Joey Mercury was just, like, one of the scariest things I've ever seen on pay-per-view. Um, I didn't know if real, real quick, I mean, it's there's something in the air. Ultimate X is coming back, TLC's this weekend. What was going through your mind as you're sitting there looking at your friend uh, after that and in that moment. Man, when that happened to Joey, well, first of all, so many things, because we both got hit by the the ladder. He got hit a, a second before and took a lot of the momentum off the ladder before it hit me. And um, I spilled out of the ring opposite him, and I didn't realize what had happened to him. I knew we both got hit, but I didn't realize that he had broken his nose and his oral bone and tore his cartilage Ugh. until later. Ugh. And um, I didn't dawn me until I... I was I was back in the ring and I was looking around for Joey and saw him walking up the ramp. But um, it's funny that you mentioned Joey because I actually I hadn't talked to him in a little bit until uh, this morning, and um, I texted back and forth with him and had a, had a brief conversation with him. And um, he is uh, he's doing extremely well right now. Um, he was uh, wrongly accused of uh, some some. Uh, he was alleged crimes um, out in the parking lot at All In, and um, was transported to a to a, a jail in a, a prison in Florida. And um, basically, all that that whole ordeal that he had went through was all proven wrong, false allegations. Um, they were looking for somebody that wasn't Joey. The crime that um, he was accused of, he was out of the country while it was committed, and. Um, He's, uh, he's going to be reinstated at, uh, at Ring of Honor, and um, he's he's doing really well right now. And uh, actually, just talking about him is uh, is is making me smile because um, he's one of the smartest guys in the in the business. That um, maybe the smartest guy in terms of wrestling psychology and ideas that I've that I've ever met and worked with, and um, that I 
got to work with him at an early point in my career and now get to consider him a friend um, means the world to me. And he went through some really hard times recently and um, he just came out the other side a better person and he's in a really good spot. Dude, that is so awesome to hear. I was not expecting any of that. Um, wow, man. I mean, I, I just talked to him this morning and I, like, I, don't, I don't even know if that's I should be talking about it. It's a public knowledge, but well, it's all good um, stuff. I'm, you know, I'm excited about it, though. Man, I'm so happy to hear all of that. I mean, and you, you talk about you know what what happened there. Um, do you when you're talking to the young guys, younger wrestlers? Uh, you're also very young yourself, still, by the way. But the younger guys that come in, and I mean, they're doing some really crazy stuff right now. Um, do you do you think they understand the risks that are going along? Are there there are certain times you take guys to the side and? Be like, hey, you know, watch this clip of what happened to Joey here. We were nuts. I don't know. Um, you know, I, 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 I mean, it would be a little bit hypocritical of me to uh, try to get a lot of, like, the, the younger guys to do less crazy stuff because when I was at that point in my career, that's all I wanted to do. Um, usually the advice that I give people is uh, if you're going to do something dangerous or crazy, um, minimize the risk and make sure that you're doing it at a point when it means something. Don't uh, don't risk hurting yourself on a on a show in front of thirty people <laughs> that's not televised. You know, if you're going to do something, make sure you're you're training for it. Your chances of success are as high as possible, and make sure you're doing it at the right moment. Yeah, because you want to have a long career. You want to have a nice, long, fun pro wrestling career. Uh, and with that, yeah, and those yeah. those moments like mean something to you. When you do like when you take a risk and you pull off something like, I mean, that sucked me. And watching watching Jeff Hardy like uh, do a lot of what he did um, got me so excited when I was when I was watching him growing up. Watching HBK, watching um, like uh, what AJ Styles was was doing, and um, Elix Skipper in like the early X Division, like uh, the Ultimate X matches. Like those kind of spots affect people watching. But um, you just have to be intelligent about and strategic uh, about when you put it all out there and go for like that crazy move because if you pull it off on the right moment, it uh, becomes a, a wrestling moment that uh, becomes nostalgic to people and means something to a lot of people. But there's also the risk of injury and the risk of it not going the way you intended. And um, you just as long as you're aware, then um, I, I think it's a uh, it's it's good to do those things because that's part of why. I got into wrestling and why I still love it. And I still try to reinvent myself and think of that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a, it's a great time for wrestling. There is so much awesome talent out there. It does seem like early 2019 is going to see a bit of a, a landscape change in pro wrestling. A lot of people changing up companies and things like that. There's rumors of this young bucks, Cody Rhodes, all elite wrestling. Uh, are you, are you committed with impact? Are you taking offers from elsewhere? What, what is Johnny Impact right now? Where where's your head at going into twenty nineteen? Um, uh, Johnny Impact is committed to Impact, and um, I feel like all the progress we've made with with Impact is um, created leverage enough so that I'm thinking um, sometime in twenty nineteen we'll uh, have an opportunity to move to a, a bigger network. And Impact Impact has been punched and knocked down and had more smack talked about it than probably any other promotion in existence that it's still standing today. Um, the uh, the Bucks and Cody's um, all all lead thing is uh, is is an upstart 
emotion and um, whether or not that's going to last, um, I'm not one to say. But uh, I will say that I'm really proud of what we've done with Impact and um, being a part of it, being world champion and, and representing the brand going into 2019 is, is something that I'm really excited to do. Uh, and lastly here, before we go back and, and do the, the hard plug here for Homecoming to wrap it up, I, I wanted to ask if there are any updates on Boone. I had an idea. I watched the Marine 6 the other day for another interview that I did. Um, I would maybe see like to see you and Miz team up again in the Boone universe. I just wanted to throw that out there. Ooh. You know? That would uh, that'd be fascinating. Well, uh, well, let me throw this back at you then. But are you thinking like uh... – Boone the Bounty Hunter teams up with the Marine in some sort of uh, buddy buddy comedy type situation. I don't I don't know if I want to spoil. I don't know if I can say something right now because like you haven't seen. You're not gonna. I don't know if you're gonna watch the Marine Six or not, or if anybody's listening. This is no. I, I will. Okay. I'll, I'll watch it. Like I've, I've I've watched all of these. I watch Mrs. Stuff. I watch all of his things. Okay. Well, you watch the movie and then and then you text me and you you tell me your thoughts on if you and you and the the Miz could be the Marine. But I was thinking. More along the lines of, you know, maybe he's like a, a friend from the past that maybe like you thought died, but he came back and he's like, we're getting, you know, maybe you guys used to run the bounty hunting together. I don't know. Just throwing things out there. I just okay. want to see you and Miz you. together. You know what I maybe, mean? Maybe Boone too. Boone, like a Boone's team deserts him and he needs to call up an old friend from his past to, to Boone, maybe the, the biggest turd cutter of all time. So Man. Then it's me and Miz versus uh, whoever that turd cutter is. Oh man, that's good. That's 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 really good too. Yeah. Do you guys talk? Are you guys still friends? You, you and the Miz? Yeah, he was a he was a groomsman at the wedding, and um, yeah, I I, I talked to Miz. I talked to Miz, Ziggler, Zack Ryder, um, McIntyre, like a, a bunch of the guys up there still. Get them all in there. All of you guys can bounty hunt together. It could be you know, uh, what's that movie mm. that Stallone does? Um, the Expendables. The expend. Yeah, wrestling Expendables. <laughs> Except it'd be. Uh, be like Masters of the Booniverse, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, hey, I'm getting a, okay. I'm getting a sign. We got, um, we got another go. thing that we, we've got to do. We got to go. Homecoming, January sixth, yep. the Asylum, Nashville, Tennessee. Johnny Impact defends the Impact World Championship against the Machine, Brian Cage. Johnny, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. VIP, VIP tickets for Homecoming are sold out. Tickets for Homecoming are still available. And January seventh, in the same building, um, there is. Also, an Impact TV tapings. We're going to be in Nashville January 6th and 7th. Get your tickets now at impactwrestling.com. Watch me take Brian Cage to Slamtown or Smashville, whichever you prefer, on January 6th, and uh, watch the rest of the roster kick ass on the 6th and 7th. I will be there, by the way. I'm flying in for Wrestling Inc. to cover the homecoming and the taping, so I'll see you there, Johnny. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. See you, see you then. We'll talk about the Masters of the Booniverse. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Goodbye. Thank you, John. Take care. I'm Akilesha from Wrestling Inc. Thank you so much for taking the time. First thing I got to ask you is... Uh, I, where, where, where did you say you were from? Wrestling Inc. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I, I'm very familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, so um, first thing I wanted to ask you is, before the appearance of Broken Matt, um, there was the pioneer of high-risk matches in WWE. One of the most talked-about matches, perhaps, in WWE history was the one back in 2000 at SummerSlam, TLC, obviously. Um, can, can we say that that's perhaps one of your favorite matches in... Uh, in your career? Yeah, I <clears throat> I certainly love all those matches. I mean, one, first and foremost, like, it was kind of the, the matches that put us on the map and made us superstars in many ways. And it also allowed us the opportunity to go out and do things 
that we had that had never been done before. You know, like myself and my brother when we were doing independent matches before we came to WWE, we used to have ladder matches against one another, where I would be Surge, Matt Hardy, and he would be Will of the Wisp wearing a mask. You know, and like. Once we had this best of series against Edge and Christian, we ended up doing uh, a deal in, in, in pitching different matches and the last match being a ladder match and they ended up going for it because we knew Edge and Christian were two guys very athletic they could do stuff on our level and, and we thought there'd be a great chemistry between the four of us as athletes and once we did the first ever taking ladder match at No Mercy 1999 it was just off to the races from there we you know integrated the Dudley boys and tables and that's where all the TLC insanity began and, and to me being like one of the forefathers you know, that kind of started that movement of the six guys. It's very cool that that's like a TLC is a, is a pay-per-view. You know, it's, it's an event that's done every year in WWE, so it's something that is a staple of WWE history, and that's cool to be a performer that, like, was able to create something that became, like, a, a mainstay in WWE. Right, and you also talked about your experience taping with Bray Wyatt, um, who recently returned to WWE's target. Uh, and he's also one of the most underrated performers in WWE today. He is. So can you talk about your experiences, how it has been dealing with someone like Bray Wyatt, whose character is kind of similar to yours? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I loved working against Bray, and I loved teaming with Bray as well. You know, I, I think... In a perfect world, if Bray and I would have been in full control of what we're doing, it would have been done a little differently. Because one thing that I totally respect about, about Bray is how he's very committed to what he does. And he's very great at what he does. And he's believable. It's like, you know, if you have an over-the-top persona in wrestling, you really have to commit to be believable. And he, he was very, very good at doing that. And he's a very talented guy. And it was great being with him. Between working with him and teaming with him, we also became great friends. So I like him a lot. He is truly underrated. Like, I'm excited to see what he ends up doing next. Right, perfect. And you recently threw your name into the hat for the post of the Royal General Manager. What do you think you'd do differently from what Baron Corbin has been doing? I, I feel like, you know, Baron Corbin obviously is a character that's in the role of, like, abusing his power and, and putting the good guys in, in bad situations and taking advantage of it. I feel like coming in, it would be like, Obviously, uh, a, a fresh start considering I would be a, a good guy in many ways. And I think I could put uh, Wilkie Matt Hardy, being the character he is and how over the top he is, I think he'd be very entertaining in a general manager role. And uh, it's one of those things where I could put guys in unique situations or unique matches or, you know, my interaction with each and every talent could be so unique. I think part of the, the funnest thing between Broken Matt Hardy and Wilkie Matt Hardy was the interaction that I had with other regular performers. And I think if you have Wilkie Matt Hardy interacting with, you know, the, the women's division and all the different athletes uh, of the men's division, I think there would be so much entertaining television there. Right, absolutely. And uh, recently you posted a video on your YouTube channel uh, saying you were going home. Um, but you recently said you would want to return to Indian competition. Any timelines that you're looking at at this point? Uh, there is not a set timeline. Uh, whenever I was going home, I was there were some issues, some nagging injuries I was dealing with, and I had to go home and do some rehabilitation. And it turns out the the treatment and the rehabilitation I did had a, had a great effect, much better than even expected. So, you know, it, it's, it's tougher as you, as you get old. It's just so hard to hang with all these young guys, especially when you have so much mileage on your body like I do. But, like, uh, as far as the timetable of when I'm going to return, I don't have an exact timetable, but I would say sooner than later. All right, and uh, you return at WrestleMania 33. 
Um, obviously, the WB News helped it. But how difficult was it was it for you and Jeff to keep things under wraps because no one knew that you were going to show up at WrestleMania? Right. You know. You know. For me, it wasn't too tough, I don't think. I think for Jeff, it bothered him a little bit, especially at Ring of Honor the night before, you know, or, yeah, I think it was Ring of Honor the day before. He actually had a question, like, are you guys returning to WWE? And obviously we knew, we'd known for about three and a half weeks. And he's like, uh, no, no, we're not returning. He said, I don't even know if I could pass the physical to, to go there. You know, we signed, you know, we're with Ring of Honor all throughout the summer. We, you know, signed a deal with him, whatever. And he's like, Man, I just didn't know what to say. Like, I just don't want to give it away. Like, she's uncomfortable. Like, what, what do you say? You know, and it's just one of those things that I think is very important whenever you interact with media and whatnot. You obviously don't want to give them spoilers about things that are going to happen but you just tell them things without lying. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the key to it. You have to keep it exciting, you know, and that's one of the things I feel like I'm pretty decent at is, like, keeping people guessing at what the next thing is. And even though that might frustrate some people, really, that's what you should want as a fan because the, the, the whole fun part of wrestling is when you see something and something happens or occurs that you weren't expecting at all. Right, and WWE recently announced tryouts in India next year in March. So what do you think about those uh, tryouts coming to India, about the potential of the Indian superstars, anything of that sort? I, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for anyone who's an aspiring, you know, WWE superstar, WWE wrestler, you know, when Jeff and I first started, we didn't have an opportunity to like go somewhere and get in front of WWE management or officials and do that opportunity. We were like, you know, driving up and down the East Coast, you know, to try and just like network and and meet other people and get our name out there so we could hopefully catch a break one day. And this is a great opportunity. Like people can literally go to the sign up WWEPerformanceCenter.com. They can go to this. They can sign up and go to this uh, activity and be in front of WWE management. And if they see something special or that they're there's uh, something about you that really stands out, an it factor or an athletic factor, whatever it may be, it could uh, gain you the opportunity, gain you the chance to become a WWE superstar. And I think that's a golden opportunity, one that I certainly wouldn't pass up. At this time, I am very happy, um, pleased to welcome to the show uh, two guys that are working together right now on a documentary. One, the director, David Gear, the other, the subject. You know him as just incredible, but you're going to get to know him in this film as himself. Pete Polacco. Pete, David, thank you very much for taking the time to chat today. Thank you, guys. Uh, so I'll, I'll get right to it here. Uh, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, Pete, it feels weird calling you that since I've known you for so long <laughs> as just incredible. Uh, how how did the idea for this come together? How did David sell you on letting your life become a documentary? Uh, well, it was, uh, it was uh, December of 2017. And I was uh, I was doing a show for a small promotion in Connecticut called uh, Blitzkrieg Pro Wrestling. Um, I you know uh, you know it's not a, a secret. I was obviously heavily intoxicated, and uh, I did something that was not pre-planned on the show, and uh, it became you know went viral. And uh, from that moment, um, uh, a friend of ours, uh, you know Eric Nighthouse. Uh, you know, came in contact with us, with me and, um, you know, pitched me, Hey, uh, we, you know, we have the resources if you want to get well and want to, you know, get better to, you know, do this film to document your progression in your life. And, uh, my whole thing was at that point, what did I have to lose other than, you know, you know, at that point I was at my low. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a good idea. 
now, David, I'll, I'll go to you. Uh, this is not this had this couldn't have been an easy decision. I mean, for every great documentary like the resurrection of, of Jake the Snake, you also have uh, some black eyes like the unreleased China documentary that that tried to follow her uh, recovery as well. What what was your thought process when approaching Pete and wanting to put together this documentary? Well, actually, uh, Pete mentioned Eric Ninehouse. He's actually the director of the project. I'm the producer. I've been directing some of the uh, recent shoots. Eric's away in California. Uh, it, it, you know, for me, it was a compelling story right from the jump. Uh, I, I had I had worked with Pete uh, pr- previously, uh, and and just thought that to document the stages of a man, a family man, a father, a husband, in the early <clears throat> phases of of wanting to get better still working in professional wrestling, still being every bit of the legend he is in pro wrestling, but capturing the little details, those little first steps and what it's grown into was, was pretty, uh, a pretty remarkable opportunity as a filmmaker and also just as, as now a friend of, of Pete's to, to be part of and, and to try to help, but to also tell the bigger story for hopefully thousands of others that can identify and, and hopefully take the journey with them and maybe help themselves or others. Uh, and Pete, you know, I'll go to you. How did your family and friends react? Obviously that you say you were at a really low point in your life. Uh, this director comes along and he wants to start or not director producer. Sorry. I apologize, David. Uh, they come along and they want to make this documentary. How, how are the people around you reacting to that? Um, uh, my, my family reacted very positively. <clears throat> I mean, look, uh, unfortunately for me, well, not unfortunately, I mean, everything is a blessing, but, uh, for my story, um, for my family, I should say, this is, you know, unfortunately I've had opportunities come and go through my relapses. I've gotten clean for a, a number of times and I've gone back. Um, and then, and, and David came on the scene and, uh, he was just able to communicate hope uh, for me it was more about hope um as somebody who's 45 years old and all he knows is you know in his professional life uh, is pro wrestling to make a living uh so to me that was very like you know whoa like you know somebody actually cares and and dave and and his his production company they're they're so on hand i mean working with them was effortlessly and i felt it was a story that needed to be told there were answers and questions that i had or questions and answers that i had about this whole process um that were obvious to me that you know that were uh obvious you know quickly uh, thrown away by the way dave just kind of navigated the waters so i'm just look for me i'm grateful to be given this opportunity to at least share my story of alcoholism and addiction and, um, you know, I don't know the thing about this project is I'm not, you know, with anything, anybody in addiction, nobody is safe. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, we're, we're, we're clear of, of the bad stuff. You know, I'm clear today. I've been clear for the past couple of weeks, but who's to say that, you know, something may happen next week, next month, next year. So it's, it's really a work in progress, but it's been a, a, an amazing, um, an amazing process and and you know it's just been a great opportunity to really show people um what it is like to deal with substance abuse and and also in the very unique business of professional wrestling and 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 it very much humanizes what we do you know yeah absolutely and you know this wasn't uh you know 
it, it doesn't appear to me like uh, David found you. This is this straight up tale of redemption. Obviously, as you say, you've only been clear headed for a couple weeks. Um, the documentary, the trailer, the second trailer I just watched shows you coming out of prison, uh, talking about how you'd done a, a couple stints there in a short amount of time. What was the hardest part? And I guess I'll kind of throw this to you and David as well. What was the hardest part of this documentary for you to actually have be put on film? Um, for me, my family, my wife. Uh, in the new trailer, uh, you could really see my wife. Um, you know, she's she's not in the business. She's not an actress. Uh, you know, really uh, wholeheartedly answering questions that the crew asked her, uh, you know, and uh, it's it's real emotion. I mean, it's really what uh, somebody in, in, in our situation goes through. And I mean, my wife, Jill, is a champion. She's a great girl. Uh, God bless her for staying with me all these years, uh, 20 plus, you know. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it just shows a real honest, raw approach to filmmaking and, and documentaries. So, uh, again, I'm just I'm proud of what these guys are able to capture because it hits a raw nerve. It really does. And sometimes um, I'm not always as uh, as happy to answer questions that dig you down to the bone. I mean, I'm talking about 20 something years that I spent, in the, you know, in, in the business, which really screws a lot of people's heads up. I mean, uh, you know. Now more than ever, we get the opportunity to 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 dive into what professional wrestlers or you know sports entertainers get to feel on a, any given day. But you know we come from a worked environment to all of a sudden cameras being turned on you and you're bleeding your life and your deepest darkest secrets. Uh, it's it's pretty intense. So I mean again, I'm just grateful to Dave. Doug Cartelli and, and everybody involved for, for all this amazing stuff uh, that they've allowed us to capture. And I hope that, you know, I, I, I hope a, it's entertaining, but I hope, you know, and B I hope it helps others. Yeah. And I'll go back to you, David. I know that you uh, wrote in the release, you, you actually bailed out Justin at one point. Was that the hardest point for you in the documentary or were there others? Uh, the executive producer, Douglas Cartelli uh, actually put up the bond to get, Pete out of jail and we and we shot it and you'll see in the second trailer it was such an emotional day that he became frustrated and he sort of snapped in terms of of you know why am I doing this is this going to cyclically continue and come back to bite me and it, it may not even work for Pete and may not work for Pete's family or his fans so there were breaking moments for sure on our side of the fence in terms of the producers and the production crew but, of course, our priority was to make sure Pete was okay. We, we, we bailed him out um, as friends and, and, you know, had to sit there all day and wait. That process was, was, was really arduous and kind of confusing. We had to wait probably about five, six hours in front of a uh, prison in, in New Haven, Connecticut. And, you know, we decided to get uh, the cameraman down there and, and, and put in the documentary because it is, the, it is one of the low points. And I think it speaks to – where Pete had, had fallen and, and kind of where he needs to go. And it's a, it was a really powerful day, but everyone had a tough time with it. And of course, no one more than Pete and his family, but I, I felt it was important that to, to document that. And with you, Pete, I know you have such a great support network around you. Obviously there's a lot of people that care about you. Uh, one of those people is diamond Dallas page, who I know made overtures towards you to be uh, coming down to his house. A la Jake, the snake Roberts. And it sounds like, 
It didn't work out. He has since distanced himself from this documentary project. How do you stand with DDP? What? Why didn't this work out with him? Well, uh, very simply, uh, my relationship, my personal relationship with uh, Dallas has, has stayed. I, I've spoken to him very recently, but uh, uh, the documentary thing, uh, it just didn't fit into, uh, and, it, and it's hard for me to differentiate it, it, you know, where I am as far as, quite frankly, just trying to be in recovery. But uh, realistically, as far as business, it just didn't, uh, you know, again, it wasn't it wasn't Dallas's fault. It wasn't the production company on my end's fault. It was just a different, you know, different times, different places, and it just didn't sync up uh, either business or uh, production-wise. But, uh, no, look, Dallas is, is, is a great dude, and I have the utmost respect, and Dallas is on my side uh, 100%. I mean, one thing I, sh- I can say about Dallas Page is he truly cares about the people he works with. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it just, it, you know, we didn't cross all the I's and dot the T's, meaning uh, just wrong place, wrong time. You know, and I know it sounds very harsh, but for a guy like Dallas Page, you know, it just uh, it didn't work out. It didn't work out for us as well. So uh, it is what it is. And, David, I know the documentary is. <clears throat> changed a little bit uh, i i know from what i was reading it's supposed to have, it was supposed to have wrapped up by now but you are still continuing to film tell me a little bit about the new direction the finish of the movie is taking well you know it, there, there's another chapter and those chapters cannot be predicted when we turned the cameras on a year ago it's it's based on pete's uh, decision to 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 get better get stronger get healthier than working out there's a there's a match at battlefront pro uh, in January that I think is an important part of his story in terms of Pete just showing up um, in a great state of mind mentally and physically for that show. Uh, not the hugest show in the world and, and not the biggest opponent in the world, but the, the idea of being there, being present, being there for the fans um, and coming through that current. And, and I believe that's an important part of the documentary. So, so we keep going. We also have interviews scheduled with uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall don't know what you know stance they're going to take. They're certainly friends of Pete's and go back decades, but these are guys who have something to say and and reach out to us and and want to be part of it. So there's more to go. And and you know, in, in the case of a documentary, it, you have to you have to keep the cameras rolling. Uh, and I'll go back to you, Pete. You know, I I don't know how much you watch wrestling anymore or not, but uh, even just last night on SmackDown, you had some they had Samoa Joe out there working Jeff Hardy's past demons into into a storyline, calling out the struggles he's had and things like that. What's your personal opinion on taking real-life elements like this from somebody's life and working those into, like you say, the worked world of professional wrestling? Um, you know, God, uh, I never had a problem with it because this na- the nature of this business, the way it's, you're describing, has been going on in the ECW era, which is 20 plus years. So, I mean, it's, uh, to me, as long as you ask the participants, you know, when you're getting family and personal names involved, uh, you know, you ask around it, look, could we do this? Is this cool with you? I have no problem with it. Uh, To me, it just makes it, uh, you know, being we're in a pseudo real environment, it just makes it more powerful and more meaningful. And, uh, you know, I look, I, I travel with Jeff, and I could probably uh, tell you a lot of things that nobody else knows about me and Jeff uh, during those years. I mean, I was fired initially from WWE in 2002 because of hanging out with Jeff and us missing chartered flights <laughs> for several reasons. So, uh, 
I'm not very, look, I'm not very uh, down on that. I think to me, it's fair game. Look, we live in a world of social media where everything is on Instagram and tweeted and Facebooked and whatever. So to me, it's, uh, you know, as long as, uh, and I'm sure WWE, uh, you know, checked in on this, but uh, it's, it's all good. I mean, look, usually when you don't want to do something is when you have something to hide. And uh, I think uh, it just gives uh, fans, you know, that reality TV moment of, uh, look, this is something this this guy has gone through, and uh, let's explore it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel like wrestlers should have a union or some kind of retirement option? Obviously, this is something you're struggling with, it seems like, independently. Um, do you think there's a solution to, to this issue? Um, do I think there's a solution? No. There never will be a solution, only because... Um, you know, it's, uh, and David could attest to this, uh, you know, there's a screen actors guild in, uh, you know, with people, anybody that makes major motion pictures, you, there's re- rules and regulations. I'm not privy to, to it, but, uh, I know that you have to have certain amount of, you know, screen actors, guild members on set, etc. with professional wrestling. And this is something former, uh, governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura was trying to say back in the eighties the was, you know, wrestlers should unionize. But unfortunately, uh, you know, if I want an indie booking, I ask for 500. Somebody else will go in, you know, of my stature and do it for 250. And that's the point. Uh, and it'll never it'll never happen. I wish it would. Um, wrestling is as big as it's ever been, in my opinion, as far as globally, um, with all the wonderful independent organizations happening worldwide. You know, not just in the United States, but in England, all over, you know, Australia, all throughout Europe you know, Mexico, et cetera, Japan. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but I, I, I never see it being unionized, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, and, and one last question here before I throw back to David to kind of give us some updates on when we can finally see this thing. I just wanted to give you a chance to let everybody out there who's listening right now kind of know where you are at with your recovery. How are you feeling? Are you, are you feeling like you're moving in a positive direction right now? I'm certainly moving in a positive direction. I don't... Uh, everybody usually asks me how much time do you have? And the amount of time I had from my last drink is probably not as, cause I, I haven't done drugs in a very long time. Um, my issue just so y'all know has been with alcohol. Um, only because, and I say that because it was for me, the struggle was I was a heroin addict, opiate addict. And, um, <clears throat> once I started, I got free and clear of that. And I got on a medication called Suboxone to help me get rid of that. Um, but alcohol was still legal. So that was like my only line of defense, but it's real easy to go to a liquor store and buy a pint of vodka for four bucks. Um, so that was, that's my biggest thing. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing great today. I've been doing great for the past couple of weeks. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's uh, every day is a struggle every day you wake up and, um, you know, you have to go to meetings. You have to talk about it. You have to do your your due diligence, or you don't have any recovery. And uh, you know, I'm not going to say I'm doing amazing. You know, and everything's great. It's not. But uh, you know, and but that's the struggle, and that's it's 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 all good. It's it's okay. And uh, but that's where I am today. But I've I've been sober for well over a month now. Do you feel like going back into wrestling is a smart idea for you? Are you excited to get back into wrestling, or is being away <clears throat> from it healthier for you? Um. I don't, it's, it, again, that's a, something that goes two ways. Um, financially, is that the most viable option for me? Absolutely. Um, is it going to be something that at 45 years old I can uh, do? 
on a regular basis? I don't know. So, uh, it go, you know, again, I, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon from the world of pro wrestling, but, uh, you know, it's few and far between as far as getting me active in the ring, uh, to, you know, to, to give somebody what I, something close to what I used to be. Cause I, at this point, I don't want to cheat fans of, you know, giving you know, just walking out there and giving a couple of punches and kicks and, you know, I, I would like to do something more and I plan on doing a lot more. Great. Uh, so yeah, David, tell me about it. When, uh, when, how much longer do you plan on filming? When do you think that we'll be seeing this movie or this documentary come out? Well, you know, a lot of it's up to Pete. It's where his life kind of uh, transcends over the over the winter, and I think we probably get done filming uh, based on what his schedule and upcoming events and and, and things going on with court uh, transpire. You know, by late winter, and then. Uh, We've already got an assembly at it going, and it, it typically takes six to eight months to turn a film around. But uh, there's some, you know, we talked about the dismal aspects, but there's some really incredible positives that just incredible fans are going to love. Even Aldo Montoya fans are going to love. He's mm-hmm. he's training a uh, Portuguese-American wrestler named Zane Bernardo who signed to Northeast Wrestling, and you see some of that. Um, there's, there's really important layers from his wife's perspective of a, of a woman Who's, who's been part of this for so long and, and, and touching moments with his son that I think this is a complete story and it's not all about the shadows of, of PJ Polacco. It's about, uh, it really is about redemption. Uh, is, there, is there a specific place online that you would like to send people to find the latest updates and news about the film and maybe when it'll be released? Well, you guys have been great to us and have the exclusive on the uh, second trailer release, so that, that's coming soon. And then uh, really just Facebook, credible on Facebook, that's where you find our updates, and uh, we're opening up the uh, event at Battlefront Pro to have fans there that could potentially be part of the documentary or certainly be seen on camera to support Pete and the event. Great. And also, uh, real quick, just the website, CredibleDocumentary.com, I would assume uh, would have a lot of that info as well. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Hey, guys, David, Pete, thank you very much for the time today. I can't wait to see this. It's beautifully filmed. I was I was immediately taken in the trailer with how gorgeous the videography is. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And thank you guys again for the time. Oh, thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, I just want to shout out our cinematographer, Ryan Sweeney. Works really hard under tough circumstances and <laughs> unpredictable circumstances. No offense, Pete. Uh, some of it's weather, too. But uh, great team. Pete's the uh, the guy that that is the reason why it's happening, and I, and I just I'm so grateful to be part of it. Sounds like you made it easy on him, Pete. Um, I, I did I did not actually. So <laughs> thank those guys. Thanks, David and Ryan. Michael Wiseman here, Wrestling Inc. Here talking with one of the legends, one of the indie legends right now, Glacier. Glacier, you've been doing this for how long now? Oh, man, 32 years. 32 years? Never taken a year off, ever. Really? Yeah. How many injuries have you gone through in those 32 years? Oh, man. Yeah, you, you want the top 10 or alphabetical order? <laughs> <laughs> what is your, okay, what is your most gruesome injury you've been through in this career? Uh, you know, I'd have to say, uh, actually, when I was wrestling uh, Bill, Bill Goldberg on Nitro, I did a leg sweep and actually uh, blew my knee out. So, and kept going throughout the match, though, until it was over. So am I sensing a little bit of heat here? Are we going to see a grudge match between you and Bill Goldberg coming up in the near future? Heck no. I'm just glad I'm, I'm good friends with Bill. He <laughs> He's too big and bad for me to mess with. Well, it's awesome to see you here. We're at WrestleCade this year. Um, fantastic events, really blown up. And I think something else that's really blown up recently has been kind of the resurgence of Glacier. Uprox did a documentary on you uh, just about a year or two ago. Yeah. Amazing piece. Yeah. Really awesome. How does it feel to kind of have this? You've been doing this for so long, but to have this kind of refocus back on you as a wrestler. Uh, 
I tell you what, like I said, I've been doing this uh, for most of my adult life since I got out of college, and uh, I've been Glacier for 22 years. And uh, and I always tell people, I just said, said to someone earlier that in the 90s, you know, whether you were a fan of Glacier or not, it was pretty hard to miss me back then, you know. And uh, But, uh, yeah, because of the fact that, uh, well, with the network still rerunning a lot of our stuff, and, and yeah, and just, um, you know, with uh, just the, uh, you know, the, the sci-fi conventions becoming big stuff, all that, I mean, this look just fits right in. And uh, thank God I still look somewhat like I did back in the 90s, and the costume barely fits, so I keep wearing it. But uh, And I love wrestling, and, and I'm, I'm a fan first. So um, as long as the fans want to see Glacier, I promise you, I'll keep putting the suit on and going out there and meeting the fans because it's what I love. So there's been, and I, you still look great in the outfit, Thank by the way. This is fantastic. It suits you so well. I'm trying to get rid of <laughs> Don't we all, right? For sure. No, but one of the things that's been really cool, though, is I think that for so long, you know, that was, what, the most expensive entrance in Nitro history? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it broke a lot of ground for professional wrestling. I, once again, I was just talking to a fan earlier, and, and I was saying, you know, that, that I was the first person where the company actually put a lot of money behind the gimmick and really came up with the gimmick and then put the person with it, which now, if you look at, say, WWE, that's kind of the standard. Kind of sure. the norm, so uh, it's really cool to kind of look back and be the first one that that was I was ever you know the one to, to do that with, and uh, and it's been a great thrill ride. It really has. I mean, I I have very very few regrets about being Glacier over the years. Well, and I, I have to tell you personally, I was a kid right at that time, loved Mortal Kombat, saw your gimmick, loved it. Thank I think your comment about gimmick versus personality is really important because you definitely have an awesome personality. Your gimmick is ice cold though. So what does it feel like to kind of be one of the front runners to say gimmick first? Personality still there, but gimmick yeah. first. Well, you know what? Uh, once again, I, I learned uh, early on from uh, one of my, my mentors in the acting industry. Because I, when I was trying to figure out, okay, who is Glacier? He said to me, don't try to become Glacier. Let Glacier become you. You know, and so uh, Glacier's just become an extension of me. And it's just like Dusty used to always say that the, the greats in wrestling are really the ones with just the volume turned up on their personality. So uh, so I've got this kind of ice cold part of my personality that really most people never see until I become Glacier. So Glacier allows me to let that other part of my personality come out. And then I can be the warm, friendly guy when I'm not being Glacier. But I'm still warm, friendly when I'm Glacier, too. So. <laughs> Two more things real quick. Yeah. Uh, number one, uh, you, you recently were at All In this year. Yeah. Uh, an amazing show, amazing car, you know, brought together all the indies in this kind of supercar format. What, was, what did it mean to you to be at All In? I can't, you know, it, it's, it's really hard for me to put into words because I've known Cody since he was, uh, you know, since he was a kid. And just, to, and of course, Dusty being first my childhood hero and then becoming my mentor and someone who was a great friend. Uh, when Cody called me to ask me to be a part of All In, once again, I've tried to find the words over and over, and I really don't have the words to tell him or the whole world really how much it meant to be in this corner along with Dallas who is one of my great friends Dallas Page and who's been one of the guys that helped me get to where I because if Dallas not would never gone to bat for me with Eric Bischoff Glacier would have never been or certainly wouldn't have been me so um so I owe a lot so just the whole circle it is like that's um, um Cody calls it the nightmare family it really is and uh it was a huge honor it was a huge thrill to see him in that moment really have everything kind of come full circle with the NWA title and uh, I'm just anxious to see where Cody's going to go from here because he shows no sign of stopping. Are you going to be in wherever he's going next? You know, rumors of a promotion, rumors yeah. of an all in two. Should we expect to see Glacier if all in two, double or nothing, comes to fruition? I will just tell you this don't be surprised. That's how I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> last thing here, very last thing. I know you've had, you've, you've done some acting as well. I know you were in Burn Notice. Um, yeah. Big fan of the show. Awesome yeah. to see you in that. Uh, what what else can we expect from Glacier on the acting front? Yeah, a lot of people don't know. I'm a professionally trained actor. I've got, done a good bit of TV and film. I did an episode of Tyler, Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns. Um, I, I did a movie called River of Darkness with Kurt Angle where I kind of played his nemesis in that, uh, which, uh, which uh, Nash was in that as well. But um, yeah, I've been working on a project that uh, we plan on uh, shooting here 
here coming up in mid-spring. Uh, that's going to actually involve some other great wrestlers in it. I uh, can't talk too much about it right now, but I will promise this. Wrestling Inc. will be the first person, uh, first people I'll call to help me promote it. That's right. Well, we appreciate it so much. So nice to meet you. Thank, Thank you very you much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Flip. 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 It's Flip Gordon. I wanted to do the whole thing for you. Flip, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I loved it. I thought it was my entrance music. Yeah, I, you know, I saved this money on production costs and rights fees by just doing it myself. You know, dude, I love it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to thank you for taking this time in particular because we are about an hour in to the December Pokemon Go Community Day, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, right? I am. Uh, have you spent way too much money on this game? I actually just tweeted that. Uh, you gotta stop. You gotta stop spending money on the game. Don't spend money on the game. What are you spending money on Pokemon I need, for? I need the fruit. I need the Pokeballs. I need the bigger backpack. That way I can hold more items. I'm I'm a true Pokemon goer now. Wow. See, I just I just straight hustled it. I haven't dropped any money on Pokemon Go, but I did have to acknowledge because my girlfriend was like, "Oh, at three o'clock, we gotta go." catch Pokemon, and I was like, I can't, because I got to interview Flip, and then I was like, well, I'm sure this is also a dilemma for Flip, because he's got to do the interview with me, when you should be Pokemoning, right? No worries, man. It's all right. Wrestling comes first. Absolutely. Uh, I would guess Bully Ray does not play Pokemon Go, is that correct? I am. I mean, that's a safe assumption. He doesn't seem like it. He doesn't seem like a, a, a Pokemon Go type fellow, that Bully Ray. No, I mean, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. You guys have had a very. I don't want to find out either. I got. I mean, I got other plans for him. Well, maybe that's how. Well, maybe that's how, you know. You guys have this I quit match here, but maybe if you guys could just find some common ground, maybe do a nice trade or something. You know, you wouldn't need to come to blows like this. I uh, yeah, I don't think that's in the cards. So yeah, you guys. I think ha- we're past that. Yeah, you guys have had a a really contentious relationship. Just to kind of real quickly uh, fly through this for everyone. It's been about a month. Since Bully Ray laid into you with 10 kendo stick shots to the back. Uh, he also has cost you uh, your your shot at a title at the Survival of the Fittest Tournament. Um, and, yeah, you are finally going to get settle the score here. Or I would hope finally settle the score here in final battle on December 14th in, in an I Quit match. Uh, what's this guy's deal? Why, why has it gotten this heated between you two? You know, I, I've been asking myself that same exact question and I you know I don't know what his deal is and you know I don't even care anymore it's personal this goes beyond ring of honor this goes beyond ECW at final battle this is an I quit match and I'm never said I quit to anything in my life and I don't plan on saying it December 14th either you've got a great veteran in your corner right now and Colt Cabana who has been by your side what is Colt what advice is he giving you here as you navigate the waters uh dealing with Billy Ray he just has told me to not hold back to not be afraid and to keep pushing forward and that's exactly what I'm going to do he's been nothing but motivating yeah yeah He's a he's somebody that would be I'd like to have in my ear when I'm dealing with a guy like Bully Ray there um, you know, once you get beyond Bully Ray, I mean, are you thinking any further than that? I know you've got a a world title shot on the horizon here because of your Sea of Honor victory. Absolutely. And that's what I want to go on to. But first, I got to deal with Bully. But yeah, 
like you said, I did win the first ever Sea of Honor tournament that guarantees me a number one contendership to the world championship. Yeah. So you're sitting on that for now as you tie up loose ends here with Bully Ray. Eventually the plan is to break free and, and claim that title, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Bully's an interesting character in Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor is so packed with young, hungry talent like yourself. Um, how do you – is there anybody else like Bully, any veterans that you could see possibly working in a Ring of Honor-type environment? Has he got any wheels going in your head about other veteran names like himself you'd like to mix it up with? Um, not really. I mean, Silas Young has kind of been on his side. He's the only other one that really has been sticking with Bully. Mm. Yeah. But Most not... of the other younger guys are just hungry and want to have great matches. Yeah. Well, and Silas and Bully, they don't seem like their relationship is like the, the best relationship. They get in fights and stuff. No, absolutely. So I don't know what their, I don't know what their deal is. Yeah. Uh, and for you, have how many I Quit matches have you been in? Is this the first time you'll be stepping into one? This is going to be my very first one. Oh, okay. So this is it for you. First ever I Quit match. How do you prepare for a match differently, like an I Quit match, than you would like a traditional match? Um, I've just been digging deep, and I've been, I mean, I, I've been working out really strong, very tough. Um, but, I mean, I, I've been through military training. You know, I've been, I've been beaten. You know, I've been starved. I've had to crawl through mud. Um, I've had to, you know, I, I mean, I've been through a lot with the Army. So, uh, I'm pretty prepared. Uh, like, like I said, I, there's not a, a giving up bone in my body. So, I will go through war um before i say i quit and he's gonna have to bring war to me uh well uh switching gears here a little bit uh i want to just say i thought that the last episode of being the elite was one of the best things i've seen in wrestling in just a long time uh it was just so much fun so much playfulness going on in there how does it feel for you being inside that group right now making this content What what does that feel like it's honestly such a fun time um, because just like it shows through on the camera, we are literally just having fun. Um, but we're telling stories. Um, but you can tell that everybody is just enjoying themselves. It's not, oh gosh, we got to film being the elite. It's, oh, all right, let's film BT. What's, what's the next bit? What, what do we got to do today? You know, everybody's excited to do it. It's, uh, it's been a highlight of my career. Now, obviously, BTE is building to something, whatever's going to be happening here January 1st. Uh, I actually was talking to your boss, Joe Koff, a few hours ago. I was chatting with Joe. First of all, Joe said very nice things about you. He sees you as like a, a key player in the company here going into 2019 and beyond. So you should know that he said these nice things about you. Uh, good to know. Good to know, yes. Um, noted. Noted, of course. Um, but he did say he didn't see Cody in the Bucks. It's part of Ring of Honor in 2019. Are you surprised to hear him say that? Um, I mean, I am and I'm not. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, rumors out there in the wrestling world uh, or in Twitter land, as some might call. Um, but I'm just staying focused on my own career. I mean, they are my friends and they've helped me tremendously with the opportunity of be- on being the elite uh, to help me get my name out there to so many new fans. Um, but whatever they do, they have my full support, 
and I'm happy for whatever they want to do next. Um, I'm very thankful for the time I have been able to spend with them. Um, but my focus is Ring of Honor. Um, I'm with Ring of Honor until 2020, and my focus is building Ring of Honor as much as I can. Now, it's very it, it's interesting because I'm being the elite. You're still listed as also Flip Gordon. You're the only like featured cast member on the show. Um, this show has been a big part of make, make, bringing those guys to the next level. It's been a big part of bringing you to the next level. If these guys do decide to go somewhere else, which it sounds like they will, and you'll be with Ring of Honor – Will you continue to make these videos? Will you still be a part of BTE, or is this where you guys part ways for a little while? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. Um, I guess it would be to be continued, but Marty's still going to be in Ring of Honor, so maybe it's Marty and Flip take Ring of Honor. Um, we're still we're still all really good friends, um, so I'm sure that we will continue to still do Being the Elite. Um, but nothing's guaranteed, uh, but anything could also happen in this business. So and that's one of the cool things about wrestling. Was there ever any talk of you formally becoming part of the elite? I think it's just a little interesting that you've always, you know, been the also Flip Gordon. I don't know why you haven't been lumped in with the rest of the bunch. Well, there was that one time when they were a part of the Bullet Club where Matt and Nick invited me into the Bullet Club, but then Coney, uh, Cody and Kenny were like, no. So I was instantly kicked out. So I don't even know if that actually counts, but I have not actually been offered a spot in the Elite. So I am still just also Flip Gordon. So what do you I'm think? A feature, that means I'm a feature on the show. That's a good thing, right? I'm a feature. I think you're the only one that seemed to notice what was going on with Cody losing his mind. Are they all blind? I don't know. He's just. He's a nutcase. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah. But yeah. luckily they listened to me. That's what I mean, I'm the only one that's really paying attention, I think. I mean, I'm the one that brought BTE back. True. True. And uh what do, what do you think the future of BTE after do you think they'll even meet be more be the elite? I kinda I don't know. I get the vibe that this one one thing kind of seems like a, a season closer type deal. Uh no, I mean as long as the fans want BTE, I think there's going to be BTE because um, the, the enjoyment and the, the smiles that I see on the Bucks when they produce this thing is something that I've never seen them get from anything else. I think they get pure enjoyment out of seeing how happy these videos make people. And so as long as they're getting that, I think they're going to continue making them. Uh, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I really like the series a lot. I mean, you guys just seem like you're having so much fun together. It's just everybody's on the hook here. You know, what's going on with these guys? I, I think it's great to hear you say you're going to double down, no no pun intended here, um, with, with Ring of Honor. And it's also very intriguing that Marty will still be with Ring of Honor as well. Do you think whatever this thing on 1-1 is going to be, will, will, live, will it live up to the hype? Will it be as big a surprise as people are expecting? You know, all I can say is that 2019 is going to be a huge year for professional wrestling, and it's going to be groundbreaking. Awesome. All right. Let's go back here a little bit. I talked about the kendo stick stuff with Bully Ray, and I had written down on my notes from last time that I didn't get to talk to you about. First of all, how were you able to recruit the Sandman to join Flip Army and represent you? How did that conversation go? Um. Well... Ring of Honor asked me who I would like, 
I gave them that name, hmm. and then I just imagined that their people got in touch with his people. Isn't that how wrestling works? I guess so, but, like, why Sandman? Like, are you, have you always been a big Sandman fan? Was this, like, something, like, a bucket list type thing for you? So, I was watching One Night Stand, and I just remembered him making his entrance and the reaction he got. And I was like, you know what? That's probably one of the coolest things ever, except for I wanted to be there, and I wanted to be in the ECW arena, and I got to make that happen. I got to make that come true because I was standing in the ring when Sandman made his entrance, and to feel that electricity from the fans was one of the coolest moments I've ever been able to have. Well, that's awesome, but he let you down. He didn't win, and then you got the crap kicked out of you by Bully Ray. But He, he did let me down, and actually, I don't know if, how much they showed, but he actually tried to get me out of the 10 canes as well. Right. Uh, but I was a man and I, I keep my word. And so I was, I told Sandman, I'm a man. I can take this. And so that's what I did. Was that the most brutal thing you've ha- had happened to you in pro wrestling so far as the, the kendo stick strikes there from bully? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I felt every single one of them. I had bruises, for weeks, um, my tricep looked like raw meat, they said. Um, it, it, I definitely wouldn't want to do it again. Uh, but this so this was a pick-your-punishment match that you and Bully had, and you lost, or Sandman lost, so you got he picked his punishment. He's going to hit you ten times with a kendo stick. What was going to be your punishment for Bully? I was just going to make him say that the earth was flat. You know, I was just going to make fun of him a little bit, but we never got that far. You were going to make him say the earth was flat? Yeah, it's the only thing I could really think of at the time. That's not like a, I mean, that's, you know, heresy. I don't know if that's a punishment. I don't know. I'm not really good at those kind of things. You should have made him go through what you went through in, like, uh, boot camp. That sounded terrible when you were like, they starved me and, and beat me and, like, drugged me out in the middle of the night and all this stuff. No, I wasn't going to make him say that. Mine was actually a secret. Um, I don't think I'm legally allowed to say. Okay. I just made up the whole flat earth one. Um, as you go into, you know, being one of the namestays at Ring of Honor here next year with Marty, as you pointed out, uh, something else I had on here was the Code of Honor. Now, you've been with Ring of Honor a long time now, or a while now. Do you believe the Code of Honor still exists, or has it fallen to the wayside? It's something I don't think people really talk about that much anymore. Um, I think it has fallen a little bit. I mean, when I first got there, that was actually Bully's role was to instill the code of honor again. And so at the beginning of the matches, we were almost forced to shake hands. And now I feel like it's not even there again. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if that has to do with him going off the deep end or if guys just don't really know what the code of honor is. But when I first came in, I was told, hey, make sure you know what the code of honor is. Do you want to bring that back? Is that, I mean, I don't know what kind of. I would would absolutely love to bring it back. I think that when you go into a sport, you should have respect for your opponent. Yeah. And you should, I mean, you're probably not going to shake their hand afterwards. You should should shake their hand before. I mean, I've been in four MMA fights, and before every MMA fight, we touched gloves. And I didn't even know the kid, so. Why, Why? I didn't know that. What's your MMA record? I'm two and two. Oh man, when you lose, like how? How man? I don't know. I'm kind of intimidated by that. Like, if you lose, like how bad does that hurt? I mean, did you get knocked out or did you tap out? So the first one, I got choked out. 
because I wasn't going to give up. And then the second one, I tapped because I didn't want my arm to break. And then the second two, I won. Well, sounds like uh, one by rear naked choke and the other by armbar. Well, that's what bully's got to go find the tape. You know, he's got to make you quit. That's the only time you said it sounds like you've ever quit. You tapped out. I've tapped out. I've never quit. Okay. Fair. Uh, well, uh, the reason I bring up the code of honor thing, though, was because with the some of the tree, some of the brush being burned away here with some guys leaving in 2019 and you stepping up and becoming a center point, how, how do you want to affect Ring of Honor? Are there any changes? Like, what do you – what does a Ring of Honor – that's more driven by Flip Gordon look like? Um, I would love to help get some younger talent, uh, more opportunities. If, if opportunities are opening up, I would love for those opportunities to be filled by guys that I have seen on the Indies because I've been able to travel quite a few places in the last couple of years. And so I'd love to help some of those guys that I've seen and met and have had matches with um, get opportunities in Ring of Honor to help build yeah great well hey flip i want to thank you very much for the time i hope you enjoy your pokemon december community day weekend i'm i'm running out the door now to go do they have the squirtle with the sunglasses can you get that this weekend um i haven't seen it yet um i actually just got in the door about 30 minutes ago so i haven't been able to see all the details on it yet all right um but i'm excited i'm gonna be playing it all weekend i'm actually flying down to florida uh, in a couple of days to get a puppy too, so I'll be playing down in Florida as well. Oh, is it going to be Pharaoh too, or no? No, uh, his name is going to be Monty, um, but he's a he's a German Shepherd Siberian Husky mix. There you go, guys. So I guess it's kind of related. To yeah, a little bit. Uh, well, anyway, guys, December fourteenth in New York, final battle goes down. Flip Gordon, Bully Ray. I quit match. It should be brutal. It should be awesome. Flip, thank you very much for taking the time. Blood. Blood? I'm going to bust him open. Welcome back to the Winkly for the Views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition. Jesse Collings. Jesse, welcome back. It's good to be back, Nick. I'm excited to talk this week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you, uh, this past Friday, you pinned your latest editorial for the site, the latest views from the Turnbuckle. It was entitled The Five most interesting people in wrestling today. I love this topic. Why did you choose this topic, Jesse? Well, I wanted to write something that was first positive and talk about some things that we like about in wrestling. And there was all, you know, there's a lot happening in wrestling. And I think some of the, like some of the names that were chosen, I think were pretty obvious and some of them may be a little less obvious, but I think they all kind of brought something different to the table. And it's fun to talk about stuff, especially with so much news both happening now and about to happen. Do you feel like you're sometimes too negative, Jesse? Is this like you're cleansing your soul? I wouldn't say it's cleansing my soul, but you know, part of wrestling is is driving emotion. And sometimes you feel, you know, upset about something, and that's what drives how you want to talk about something or how you want to write about something. And sometimes you're really excited about something, and that's great too. And that's what makes wrestling so fun. You know, what makes wrestling fun is that you can get mad over it, and then you can also get super excited about it. I like that. You know, you want to be moved to pick up the pin. Yeah, I mean, you, you just you know, wrestling is about getting a reaction, and sometimes that reaction is negative. But because you have that negative reaction, you know, it makes the you know the high moments, the exciting reactions, even better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's. You've got some interesting picks here for your five most interesting people in wrestling today. I think they're all great. Uh, let's start. We're here at the top. I'll go in the order that you wrote them. Daniel Bryan. Um, 
is obviously very interesting. Why did he make your list? Why in particular? Well, it's kind of crazy when you think about the roller coaster kind of year that Daniel Bryan has had. When he came back earlier this year, it was this unbelievable feel-good kind of story. And, oh, my God, Daniel Bryan's come, coming back. He's going to be this massive baby face. And then after WrestleMania, things kind of stuttered for him. And he wasn't, you know, the level of, of baby face star that I think a lot of people expected. And then he turned heel, which seemed unfathomable when he first came back because it seemed so obvious that he was going to be a big baby face. And he's really killed it the last month or so as this heel character. He's he's really struck a nerve with the fans. He's getting like really good heat. I think him versus AJ Styles is an excellent feud because Styles is a good baby face. He's just become extremely interesting, uh, both on his promos and just his overall persona. He's very different, I think, than anyone could have expected what he would be like when he first came back. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting in the piece how you wrote about how uh, a great heel can make great baby faces. I mean, do you see that with Daniel Bryan? I, I'm not going to lie. On SmackDown, I thought him and Mustafa Ali this week were, were great in the ring. The promo stuff was was very good, but it was still a little kind of like the SUV stuff. It's like, I don't know. There's, there's still kind of a bit of a goofiness that I kind of want pounded out of this character as he's working through it in the early stages, you know? Yeah. One thing I will say is I like his character should be like 90% the fans turned on me and I turned on them and like 10% like this eco-friendly, you guys are destroying the earth kind of guy. You need like a little bit of that kind of color, but I don't think that should be too much of his, of his persona or his personality. Right. Because I think that's kind of corny and it's kind of like, like, Juice Robinson, when he was C.J. Parker, that was like his whole gimmick in NXT, that he was this annoying, obnoxious green person. And that didn't really work for him. And I think Brian's, you know, it's a nice it's a nice little touch. It's like just... the annoying, the obnoxious, you know, yeah, uh, you know, super liberal kind of person is a nice touch to add into his overall. I hate the fans and they're not worthy of my attention. He's he's very preachy. He should just be the warrior. He, you know, we've had an ultimate warrior. We could have a social justice warrior, right? He could paint his face. Um, well, I, don't want, I don't want to lean into it too much. I think it's a nice little kind of thing in the background well, to, to layer in what the overall picture for him is that he's, you know, the fan. He used to be the hero to the fans, and yeah. the fans moved on, and they don't even know what they want, and, and they're they're all stupid. And then kind of throw in an oh, and by the way, I'm annoying about this thing too. Yeah, I you know, and I I agree with you because when I was watching that promo specifically, what I'm talking about is. The line everybody remembers is the, what car do you drive? An SUV. And then he, he kicks him or slaps him, right? Yeah. And that felt so unneeded. I already wanted to cheer Mustafa Ali, right? He's what's to hate about former Chicago cop, all-American Mustafa Ali. Uh, great in that position. Didn't need that line. I would have almost, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you on that. Doesn't He doesn't need to necessarily push that part of it so much. He's such a unlikable nasty fellow as it is with just the preachy vibe you know yeah it just is a, a little bit of that not not nice whole character shouldn't be built around that but a little bit of that is, is a nice touch how do you know he drove an SUV? anyway we got four more people to get to why what if <laughs> what if he was like you know what i drive a tesla huh what do you got? yeah that would have exploded in daniel bryan's face and to be honest i don't think a lot of these wrestlers uh, i guess he has a family so he might drive an suv i don't know i don't know what cars wrestler drives he drives whatever's cheapest in town because they got to pay their road costs. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is the next name on this list. Another very interesting person. Uh, and you made the the comparison that she's almost a bit 
like Daniel Bryan in the way with the fans rallying around her, is she kind are you trying to say a little bit like the female Daniel Bryan here? I think kind of the it was a little bit unexpected. I think at the start of the year, I didn't expect Becky Lynch to to catch on like she did. And now when you think about it, I mean, obviously, if you watch SmackDown last night, but really WWE at all, you know, since SummerSlam, really, Becky Lynch has been the most important and interesting person on, on the sh- in the whole show. And so I don't think I think she was like a as far as when I was coming up with the list. Oh, who do I want to put on this thing? It's like Becky Lynch was a slam dunk. She's the most obvious choice in my opinion, as right. far as someone that is extremely interesting, both in that her segments on television are interesting, but also culturally how she's infecting WWE. You know, this is the most over I think a woman wrestler has been in WWE for wrestling, because I think a wrestler like Sable during the Attitude Era was technically more over than Becky Lynch is now, but it's for kind of a completely different reason, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, she had more mainstream appeal because she had she did Playboy and she was yeah making, yeah it, it was I mean, a hotter was like, time for the business. Night yeah, show she probably you know yeah. you know. Sold more autographs and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but like for actual rest as a wrestler, as a performer, Becky is seems to be more popular than anyone else. Maybe Ronda is still more popular because she has that mainstream appeal, but just week to week, right. Becky has become the most popular person really in the entire company, man or woman, and that's what's really become fascinating with her is that it's kind of been talked about. Oh, what if the face of WWE was a woman? And it's kind of to me, it's always been kind of like. Oh yeah, one day that might happen, but not anytime soon. And now you look at it now, and it's like, you know, damn, maybe Becky Lynch is the most popular person in WWE. The man movement, right? That's where we're at. Isn't that kind of funny though? That you know that that she's adopted the name the man, and it's like, oh, it's kind of like a funny thing because she's a woman, but she's declaring herself the man. But she's basically declaring herself what has been always a male role which is the face of the company yeah it's great and there's a lot of ways you can go with it i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong at all you're definitely right it just strikes me here because the other three names we're about to talk about on your list are not wwe names daniel bryan becky lynch those are the two people you think are most interesting in wwe also currently the smackdown champions isn't that weird did you realize that i mean the people who should be the, theoretically the champion should always be the most interesting person right yeah but there's no raw names on this list right it's it smackdown is definitively it, the more interesting product here it's got more interesting characters there's there's such a it's so different what they're doing on smackdown the way they treat the you know we, our biggest critique of daniel bryan is he's even just a little too goofy it's like come on yeah you know compared to compared to other people on raw like you know, Lesnar's the broad champion, and he's never there. Right. And, you know, compare that to anything. Yeah. Elias, I, today I realized Elias and Bobby Lashley, their ladder match is they're going to hang a guitar over the ring. And I was like, what? I like I, I like some of the matches on TLC. It seems like there's a lot of unnecessary gimmick matches on that show that I don't necessarily have to see on TLC. And it to me, that's just my thoughts on TLC is that <laughs> okay. I'm excited for the, the women's triple threat TLC match. I'm excited for the Brian and styles match. I'm not really like, I don't really feel like I need to see Elias or Bobby LaRue or Ray versus Randy Orton in a chair match. Okay. Uh, let's move to the third name on your list here. Uh, this is where we leave WWE. We go over to new Japan pro wrestling, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, now I am like a lot of the fans you describe here. Bullet club came in. Uh, I was not as familiar with new Japan. I knew it existed. I knew there were a lot of very hardcore fans, but that's what really started to, to pull me in there, all of the Bullet Club stuff. He is now the man with uh, with Bullet Club kind of clearing away a bit here. 
that's that's going to be trying to step up here with this match against Omega Wrestle Kingdom. Do you think he'll be able to grab the the people like me that came in and were there for Bullet Club action? Well, that's up to the individual person. It's it's very interesting when I talk to New Japan fans. Some fans are fans of New Japan because of the Bullet Club and because Chris Jericho went there and because there were a lot of American and Canadian and European wrestlers there. And, you know, some of them, they're not that they dislike the Japanese talent, but they're less familiar and, and they're less interested in them it, naturally, it, it, which is fine. It's a, it's a language don't... barrier, too. Like, well, I, yeah. I love yeah, no. Look, I've become a big Okada fan, right? I think Naito is fascinating. Um, I just, you know, it's like I can only like them to a point because I don't really ever get to know them as well as I would somebody that. Yeah, and the, you know what, Nick? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, it's natural to like that. You, you can still be a New Japan fan. You're not less of a fan because, like, oh, you don't know all the Japanese guys and you don't know all the young boys and that kind of stuff. That's obnoxious. Who cares about that? But I think there's other – but there's another set of New Japan fans who like the – who watch New Japan for the Japanese element in it. And when New Japan comes to the United States, they want to see a Japanese show, and yes. there is some resentment among um, you know, Western New Japan fans that the company itself is becoming too Western, which is odd when you think about it because yes. you're conforming to conforming more to your culture. But it's like, no, well, we don't like New Japan because it conformed to our culture. We like it because it was this distinct other culture. But that kind of gets away from the main point of why I think Tanahashi is interesting, which is that he's this – Really, this is maybe his last major Tokyo Dome match he's ever going to work as far as he's probably maybe his last main event because you have to think that moving forward, you know, maybe Omega's not there, but Okada's always going to be there, and Naito's always going to be there, and these younger guys are going to be coming up and want that opportunity. So this is kind of like the last big dance for a guy who's really become a legend in Japan. And, you know, it is, and you have this whole other element of, and they're pushing this in the promos is this the psychological differences between Tanahashi and behind, between Omega. Tanahashi doesn't do a lot of different moves. He does a lot of simple stuff. He's more about getting his signature moves over like the sling blade and the dragon screw and, a, you know, his frog splash finisher. And Omega's, you know, these quick bursts of athleticism when he does all sorts of different moves. And it's just like an interesting contrast. Hmm. And they're basically arguing about which way is the proper way to wrestle which is a real kind of meta storyline because fans have a you know fans have arguments all the time about this guy's just a spot monkey and he does all this kind of stuff and they don't know how to wrestle and they don't know anything about selling and all this kind of stuff and it kind of mirrors the kind of conversations fans really have about wrestling now yeah. as opposed to just being this is the good guy and this is the bad guy and that's what I find really interesting about the Tanahashi and Omega feud Oh, we're going to revisit this here in just a second because Omega is a name that's going to come up here as we discuss sure. uh, the others here. Uh, but, man, thank you for breaking that down, Jesse. That is a that is a very fascinating dynamic there. Uh, Pac, uh, number four here on the list, formerly Neville. Um, my big question, and I think you're right, uh, what is this guy going to do in 2019? Where does he where does he set sail? What's which where which which promotion? You know, it could, could be anywhere, I feel like. Well, I think he, he, he said Dragon Gate is his home, so I expect him to be in Dragon Gate. For people that don't know... Uh, That's not a very big promotion, though. Yeah, yeah, it's not super well-known, you know... Um outside of japan but you know that's where he kind of broke in on the main you know more of a mainstream level i mean he started out obviously on the independence in, in britain 
but eventually was started out as being kind of a, a, a star in Dragon Gate before making his way onto the U.S. indie scene and then finding his way to WWE. But what I found interesting about him, and if you guys, if, any, if people don't know like really what he's up to, he's gone to Dragon Gate, which is his former promotion. He just won their version of the world title. He's basically doing the same gimmick that he did in WWE as the King of the Cruiserweights. It's tweaked a little bit. He's a little more obnoxious uh, and uh, vile about it, I guess is a word, because he's allowed to be, I guess, a little more violent than he was when he was on 205 Live. You're right. No but carbs, find... no carbs, no showers. I yes, think that's kind of yes, where he's, he's at. He's in phenomenal physical shape. Yeah. And what I find interesting about him is that a lot of times when we think about, like, oh, WWE wasted this guy, and they did basically waste Pac. It wasn't like they were doing great things with him, given his talent. But we like to think it's like, you know, this guy made a mistake going to WWE and he was wasted there and now he's free and he can do whatever he wants. But if you look at him, you know, when he before he went to WWE, he was this baby faced guy that did all this high flying. And that was pretty much what he was known for. But now he's really embraced what he's learned in WWE, which he's learned a lot more about how to be a character. He's become a heel, which he never was before he was in WWE. And it's this totally different thing. And it's this thing is like this guy left WWE and he's taken what he's learned from WWE and applied that to the independents and applied that to his own career outside of WWE. And I think, you know, not all these guys that – these guys, so WWE doesn't always maximize the talents that they have, and those guys may leave. But they always learn something within WWE, and I think that's important, and, and it's obviously on display with what you've been able to see from Pac. Now, okay, great, great, great observations here, and I'll get right to the last one here. Tony Khan, number five, most interesting person to watch. Going into 2019, he's the money man uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars that would be funding uh, a potential all-elite wrestling uh, promotion with Cody and the Bucks. And that's why I kind of went from Tanahashi to Khan pretty quick, because with a guy like Pac, I, for me, look, if you're going to have this discussion at the higher levels and you've, get, you've got plans, let's say January 1st, shortly after the top of the years when you, you're going to start sending out press releases, you have to have a couple guys in the pocket that just are hot free agents, right? I think Pac falls into that. And there's just something about that for me where it's like Dragons get great. Went there, safe place to get, get going again. But it's like stay warm there because you're going to be part of a bigger roster here in just a second. And that's that's to me, I think Austin Aries has mysteriously just disappeared. You know, they're saying it's for all these mental reasons or whatever, but who knows? I think there's just a, a cache of guys right now, and I would put Pac in that. That are that are maybe that would be in the wings for something like this, you know. Well, you know, we really don't know what all elite wrestling is going to be. If it's going to really materialize at all, is is it going to be a promotion that's running, you know, house shows every week and you know is doing live TV fifty two weeks a year, or is it going to be doing TV tapings and and maybe shows here and there similar to ROH? I think it's probably going to be closer to the latter than the former because it's a startup company. So maybe, you know, they could bring Pac in for, for matches, but he doesn't have to stop working for Dragon Gate or Austin Aries doesn't have to stop working for Impact or, or wherever he's working. So I, I really – we don't really know what All Elite Wrestling is, but I, that's what – kind of, Look, I'll say – you know, I interviewed Joe Coff like a week or so ago. Yeah, and he had some interesting – very interesting comments from him. Very interesting comments about how he didn't see Cody and the Bucks in Ring of Honor in 2019, right? They're signing yeah. PCO, you know, re-signed – Silas Young signing Brody King. They've got MLW nipping at their heels now. They're doing the two-hour overlap this Friday night final battle and MLW fusion. Uh, yep. 
you know, <laughs> I, I got to think that ROH is, is playing as hard as they are going into 2019. We got to sign a couple hot internet guys because these guys really are going away and they're doing something and it doesn't seem like WWE unless they've just been straight up lying, which they could do. Um, uh, but I think, I think this is going to be realer than people think. And I, I just think that if you're going to do it, you're going to need at least a handful of guys that are of note. And I think Pac is, I mean, seems to fit like you would fit like a glove with that crew. Yeah, I mean, it really comes to, like I said, it comes down to how, you know, what kind of deals are they going to have? I was thinking about this in regards to Kenny. I mean, Kenny right. is, is, is not your typical just like indie guy. Kenny lives in Japan. Kenny speaks Japanese Japanese fluently. He's a Japanese citizen now. He became, I think he became a citizen earlier this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, is he going to just, you know, move back to America and anchor All Elite Wrestling? Or is it going to be more like he's going to stay in New Japan and he'll work eight All Elite Wrestling events that they run in 2018? I feel like, or 2019, I feel like that's a little more realistic than expecting like this new giant company to just come in and all of a sudden it's, you know, like WCW was back and there's this, you know, this huge promotion coming out of the blue. I think it's going to start a little slow and I don't know who's going to be available and if they're going to be taking guys from. Uh, different promotions and, and, and purging guys and, and going out and acquiring that talent. It, we, that's what, you know, that's why Tony Khan's here, right? He's on this list because, you know, they're doing, those guys are doing nothing if there's not a, a money man behind it. Well, correct. And yeah. if Khan is the money man, then, you know, that makes him a very fascinating person indeed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, we've got Cody's going to defend the U.S. title against Juice at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yeah, it hasn't been announced yet, but that's believed to be the case. Okay, so we'd have that. The Bucks are going to be on the card versus... Uh, Evil and Sonata for the tag titles. Right, and then Omega here, Tanahashi. There would be an opportunity here for New Japan to clean, sweep, beat all these guys, take their titles back, and be done, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. for, for sure. I mean, all the kind of thing is all the titles are on the line at Wrestle Kingdom anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think the Young Bucks have said in the past, it's like they – I don't think these guys want to just, like, punt on New Japan. Like, oh, we're never going back to New Japan. Right. I think it's logical that these guys could still be working for dates. You know, the, all Elite Wrestling could be this thing, and those guys could still be working major dates for New Japan. But not Ring of Honor. You know, I think Ring of Honor is the odd man out in this. But had they have a working relationship with New I Japan. I know they do, Nick, and That's I know they, so they sold out Madison Square Garden That's on a joint show. So weird. But so weird. I mean, here's what... yeah, it, it is. It's very odd. So weird. I don't know if you saw. Did you have you seen Being the Elite this week? I have not yet. I gotta sit. I have. I watched last week. So I haven't got to this one yet. So there's a scene in it. This isn't really a spoiler, but there's a scene in it where Kenny is talking to Kota Ibushi, and they're speaking in Japanese, obviously, because Kota Ibushi doesn't speak English, or at least in storyline, the show does not speak English. And, Ken, and according to the uh, amateur translators on YouTube, you know, Kota says. I heard rumors about you, and Kenny says, what? They said, that you're leaving. And then Kenny said, who told you that? They said, I'm leaving. And Cody's like, they said, you're leaving. And he said, we're going to go together. And Cody said, really? And Kenny said, yes. Which is really interesting, because I don't think Kenny I don't think Kenny would leave without Kodabushi, and Kodabushi apparently hates flying long distances. So is he going to be a part of 
all in rest or uh, all elite wrestling, and he's going to be flying from Japan to the United States a bunch of times per year. It's, it's there's so many balls in the air, and like it's really a, a can't be really couldn't imagine a more fascinating time in wrestling than what's going to happen over this next month or so. Here's here's the thing I'll throw out there to to just harbinger everything together. Uh, the uh, the fact that Cody Rhodes could win the Ring of Honor World Title and take it into free agency at Final Battle, I think, is very interesting. There's so many moving pieces here. Uh, excellent five most people in wrestling uh, take here on the site. You can go find it. Views from the Turnbuckle available on Wrestling Inc. every Friday. And Jesse, who, what are you writing about this Friday on the site? There's only two weeks left in the year, so we're doing some year-end stuff. I've got this Friday. I've got my top ten matches of 2018, just the top ten matches that I've seen in 2018, and some thoughts on why I thought they are the top ten matches. Okay. So if you're looking for some stuff to watch over the holidays, if you're bored and your family's bothering you and you need something to watch, this is kind of like a viewer guide for seeing what the best best of the best in 2018. Mm-hmm. And this is a good read too because we are about to do the Wrestling Inc. Year End Awards. One of the categories will be Match of the Year. So I think we're going to be announcing those sometimes next week. So if you want to get ahead of the curve, be knowledgeable about what these match, the best matches were of 2018, uh, check it out this Friday on the site. Jesse, thank you again uh, for coming back to the Winkley. Is there uh, any place you want to send people to find you, follow you, uh, all those great things? Yeah, you can follow me over at Twitter. It's I'm at Jesse Collings, J-E-S-S-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-G-S. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to all of our wonderful guests. Justin, thank you very much for joining me here for another live weekly news recording. Uh, For those of you out there watching, listening, please come back tomorrow night, Friday night, after final battle. I will be here with Michael Weissman. We are going to be running down final battle, uh, all of the implications of that. He, uh, Michael Weissman also just wrote a very good piece called The Winter of Roads. It's going to be up on the site probably as soon as this is released. Encourage you to take a look at that. A lot of very interesting speculation about uh, what could what the uh, implications of final battle could uh, entail tomorrow. And uh, also on Sunday night, come back for our TLC post show with Glenn Rubenstein, uh, Matt Morgan, and Raj Geary. Uh, I'm uh, at Wink Rebel. Go find my wrestling girlfriend on Twitter. And Justin, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, all those great things? At Justin Labar on social media. And you can subscribe to my wrestling reality podcast presented by Ticket King uh, out every Thursday morning on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you can get it, you can get it. Awesome. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. We'll be back with a brand new Winkly next Thursday. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big-